This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here everything is soft and smooth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Tim, former GameStop employee. My name is Tim. I am that former GameStop employee. But as always, I am here with Dane. And Dane, I don't want to jinx it, but we are just a week and a half away just about for baseball coming back <laughs> it's still kind of in the air but i want to temper my excitement that we're so close but yet things could change but hopefully by the next time we're recording our next episode we'll be talking about the first few games of baseball we're close <laughs> well um you know before i was i was of the opinion just just cancel the season let's let's start next year you know with the with the COVID spiking again and all of these different things, the players, players union, the players having tr- uh, problems with contracts and um, unwilling to play, obviously, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a scary thing going back to, to, to baseball when, we're kind of still in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. and, you know, players are concerned obviously about their health. Rightfully so. As we're seeing like players that. get tested positive for I mean, every day, there's sure. almost a new player, several players who are just being tested and are coming up positive. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, a game like baseball, there isn't a lot of contact, um, but still, I mean, you're around people, you're in the dugout with people, you're, you you're just around people, yeah. and I, I was of the opinion, you know, just cancel the season. Let's start it up. You know, maybe start it up a little later than opening day um, next year. But I don't know. It's, it seems to be going going through. Um, the NBA starting up pretty soon. I'm not sure about football. Um, the NHL is starting up pretty soon, so. If you want to play, let's play, right? Yeah, it's, it's just going to be different. That's for sure. I mean, one thing obviously is going to be the biggest change is no fans for probably I would, I'm going to guess the whole season. I think if I, there's some owners that are hopeful that there'll be fans back in the stadium eventually. But I think if anything, if that is to happen, probably only for the postseason, I'll be really surprised if any of the 60 games, there'll be fans in the stadiums. So just that in itself is going yeah. to be a big uh, change and something to get used to for players. And just us as fans watching at home, it's going to sound different. It's going to have that eerie, like kind of an eerie feel to it. 
there was a few years ago, I believe. I know it was in Baltimore. I think they were playing the White Sox. I'm not sure. But they were playing with no fans in the stadium. And it felt weird just watching it like that. So that's going to be every game now. I don't know if you saw uh, Matt Chapman's comments yesterday or a few days ago regarding the Oakland Coliseum. (laughs) He said said, it's kind of an advantage for us because we're used to not having a lot of fans show up at our stadium. (laughs) So we're used to the quiet uh, sounds, no sounds of the baseball game. So. Other teams might not be used to that, but we'll be used to that when they come over here in the Coliseum. <laughs> like, that, that is true. That is true. Um, you know, a lot of people. I mean, it's a quiet. It's 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 a quiet stadium. Then uh, I I can't make any excuse for it. It is quiet, um, with the exception of right field with the drums. And one time, a guy brought a tuba. <laughs> to uh, the Coliseum. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> like recently, or well, uh, back the past couple of years. I can't remember exactly when it was, but somebody brought a tuba, and I can't imagine getting that. You have to get that tuba into your car. <laughs> you have to drive to the Oakland Coliseum. You have to get that tuba. You have to lug that tuba from the parking lot to the to the gates and then you got to get it through security <laughs> surprised they even let him in with that <laughs> yeah i know um but yeah um no i i i can't think of any excuses for that <laughs> um <laughs> and hopefully that uh, makes many oakland ace fans upset but kind of yeah. gotta just accept the facts <laughs> kind of reminds me of um i can't remember who made the comment but when the astros got caught cheating with the camera system and all that mm-hmm. former, uh, a former A's pitcher who was pitching for another team, uh, said, I, I know one place that they were not doing it, do, do, doing that, um, you know, camera cheating and stuff and banging on trash cans. It's the Oakland cop. It's, it's, it's the Oakland A's because they don't have <laughs> enough money for it. <laughs> 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 oh man uh, sorry you have to sometimes be the punching bag of the American League Dean when it comes to stadiums I'd, at least <laughs> I'd say you in Tampa I mean, those, I mean I, it's hard to argue what stadium is the worst Tampa or Oakland but you hear more problems and stuff that happens with Oakland than you do in Tampa well I mean I don't think Tampa has a um, plumbing problem yeah. <laughs> not that uh, I was ever aware of <laughs> Or loose wires, <laughs> <laughs> what have you? <laughs> uh, I'm but sorry, yeah. uh, but hey, the good news about this only 60 games is that almost every team has a legitimate shot of making it to the playoffs. Teams that you wouldn't even expect are supposed to be bad. More than likely, the teams that are really going to be bad, are like the Orioles or Seattle, they're not going to make it. But teams that can get off to a hot start and just sustain that for a little bit longer than usual, they have a legitimate shot with only 60 games. So it's going to be something where we might get some really fun races by the time we're hitting the end of the season after 60 games. So even though it's shorter, it should make for a more exciting season. Yeah. The, the, the only problem, especially with the, with the A's, is they're infamous, infamous now, Jim. Um, slow starts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they just do not 
win games early on in the season. It's it's always towards the the middle to the end after the All Star break. Um, they just start winning. Um, so psychologically, will it be you know because they're in July, it'll just you know kick off right off the bat with a hot streak. <laughs> Not that the first early months are passive. Not even realizing that the season is just starting, but because we're already in the middle of summer, we're going to get off to yeah. a street. You never know. That could happen. You could look at it that way. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, you know, one idea I had for um, for this uh, COVID season, I guess you could call it, is you know how stadiums are um, or teams are selling cutouts of uh, fans and stuff that are yeah. a place around the stadium. <laughs> yeah. How, how about they also invent, I mean, um, invest in a cheap webcam where you could go and, or like they, they could put this webcam on your face on your cutout. Right. Uh, <laughs> and you could view the game through uh, that, that so webcam. It's like you're buying a virtual seat at the stadium. Right, right, hmm. from your seat for season so that, ticket holders or something. That's yeah. interesting. I never thought about that, but I, that is, if you, I don't know how many would pay for that when you're in the bleachers or <laughs> the high rise sections, but for some really good seats, that might be something pretty cool to experience from your home to give that yeah. little feel at least that you're there. That you're, yeah, that you're there. So I don't know, just an idea. Good idea. Yeah, yeah. You should just give it to that idea to Oakland. <laughs> they'll be the uh, team to do it first they probably don't have enough money Tim <laughs> <laughs> this is probably for only you know the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox <laughs> <laughs> all those uh, those teams and I guess the last thing I'll say I'm going to go on record right now because I know this is up for some debate amongst some baseball fans but Regardless of who wins the World Series, so I'm going to say it right now, even if the Yankees win or if a team like the Red Sox or the Astros, who I would hate to see win again, I will not view the World Championship of 2020 as with an asterisk. It's just the circumstances that afflicted the season. It will be a season if it's all played. Obviously, it's going to be viewed a little differently, but the champion will still be a champion of this season. So... If the Yankees win, I'm going to celebrate just like any other normal championship. And if another team wins, and if it's a team I hate, like the Red Sox or the Astros, I'm not going to say, oh, this season doesn't count. This championship doesn't count for them. So I've got to be fair. So I'm saying it right now. This will be a non-Astros World Series championship for whoever team that wins. And the Astros already have that with 2017. So <laughs> let's not compare yeah. that one to this one. Cheating to yeah. just a short season. So I am on so the record. For, so for you, the Red Sox beat the Yankees in the ALCS. Mm-hmm. It's still, and then they go on to beat uh, wh- whoever the National League team is in the World Series. That's still legit for you. Yes. It'll okay. pay me to see it. And <laughs> I hate to see whatever the Red Sox win, but I'm not going to say, oh, the 2020 championship doesn't count because of the shortened season. Like, nope. This is, it counts. They played it. It's just how it was. Okay, so what? So if, I don't want to be a phony when if that happens. I don't think it should. The Red Sox aren't going to be that great this year. But like I said, everyone has an opportunity to do something with a shortened season. But oh, I really hope that's not the case. <laughs> okay, so the Astros then won the World Series. 
As, like I said, they already got their asterisk tainted world championship. And <laughs> we'll see if I'm not going to put this one as another one like that, but yeah, God, I want to, I don't want to see them win. And I'm also a little disappointed with no fans. They're not going to get booed out of the stadiums. Like I was hoping for <laughs> this season. and just hackled my fans and they're getting yeah. off easy with that. Even it's like they're right. getting no punishment. The players anyway are receiving no like reprimand for doing what they did in that 2017 season. So I hope once Fans are allowed back in stadiums, whether it's the start of 2021. Let's not forget about the Astros. Let's continue <laughs> to do what you're planning to do in 2020 and just boo the heck out of them and give them a hard time at every city they show up. I I wonder how it's going to be in, in Houston. You know, or, or, or people... I mean, I don't even know the consensus of, you know what the Houston Astros fans think about it. Well, I've seen it online. They they try to defend it. They don't make it yeah. like it's no big deal because it's their only championship. And it's like, uh, I mean, every fan is biased of the team, obviously. But to me, I would like to think I mean, if the Yankees ever get caught with doing something like that, I'll be the first to admit that it was, they were awful for doing it. If it resulted in a championship, I would look at that championship as tainted. I don't want to be one of those phony fans. You just gotta. You can still love your team, obviously, but don't try to make it like it was no big deal, and that other teams and fans are just bitter. No, they cheated and they stole that championship. Like, to me, there's no getting around that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But well, if the A's win the World Series, now that's a really big if, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, that is legit to you. Yes, you can. Okay. I'll, I'll be happy and celebrating for you, Dane, in your championships. <laughs> I won't give you a hard time. I was going to the short season. Yeah, I know. I, I, I mean, I wish something positive happens this year uh, for the A's, at least, especially after all of this, <laughs> all of this bad news that's been happening with the A's, laying off their staff, uh, not paying their minor leaguers, uh, all of this. And even one of the one of the teams where their COVID testing got delayed because of the holiday weekend last week, and a lot yeah. of players didn't know if they had it or not. I know there's a few teams, but I think Oakland was the first one Oakland I heard was, about that happening. Yeah, too. yeah, Oakland was one of those teams, and I mean, if if you you got you're gonna start the season, you're gonna start quote unquote spring training, right? Yeah. Um, you have to get these essential things down. You know the what I mean? The most important things, yes. The most important thing. You know, you got to get the, the COVID. You, you have to get the, the, the COVID testing good. You know, you can't screw that up for whatever reason, you know. And yet, baseball so, did. <laughs> I know. Well, hopefully at least a positive if they can just get out of the wild card round. <laughs> I think that would be a big positive for the season. Uh, yeah, and then after that, let's let's try not to get swept in the ALDS. <laughs> <laughs> let's try to win at least two games in the ALDS. Oh, you're really going for it? Two games? Wow! Yeah, <laughs> you're um, reaching for the stars. I have high expectations for this season. <laughs> <laughs> and why not? Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. 
but I just hope for some some kind of good news. Um, you know, I know the, the new Coliseum or the new Oakland Stadium is sort of I don't know on the back burner. <laughs> on the back burner now. There was the whole controversy about how the the A's needed to play this full season so that they could somehow. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was like a complicated money thing where they needed to play the season, or the season counted towards keeping some players for next year and uh, the year after that. So I don't know. It's it, it's just a mess in Oakland right now. So. <laughs> I prefer not to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand. <laughs> why. All right. So hopefully in, like I said, two weeks, we'll be having some baseball to talk about again. But like I said, good fun to at least get our excitement back for the potential that we are so close for another baseball season. And hopefully it makes it all the way through so uh, we can get back to having some sports in our lives because, man, I do miss it. It's been Quite a these last few months without baseball, it's really starting to, right now as it's coming back, really starting to feel like, man, it's I missed it. <laughs> like, just the, the games being on, those normal baseball talk shows on MLB Network that I always like watching talk about the games. So, those are starting to come back too. So, it's just good to start having some baseball around again. So, hopefully, by the time we're recording our next episode, the season will begin. Yeah, I'm just wondering how they're going to do the social distancing thing, uh, especially with the. Um, umpire and the, the home plate umpire and the catcher yeah we're now far further back they're going to be you now that's that's a good point yeah maybe like on the side or something that's maybe uh, now's the time to introduce the robo humps i don't think they're going that far yet this is yeah. especially the short season but yeah. anyway i guess we can go ahead and get into our dark knight rises minute by minute commentary and on this episode, we'll be going from minute 151 to 152, or the two and a half hour, or I should say the two and a half hour and one minute mark to the two and a half hour and two minute mark. So we are getting closer and closer. We're in the nitty gritty here at the end of the movie. So we'll see how we far how far we get in this one. But as always, get your relevant media formats like your VHS player your DVD player, your Laserdisc player, your Betamax player, your uh, HD DVD player, your Netflix physical media disc, your Blockbuster membership card, your DVD or your VHS to DVD converter, formerly the best uh, format to see until DVHS came along and took the crown as the best media format to watch movies. So if you got any of those, sync up to the two and a half hour in one minute mark and i'll give the countdown dane are you ready yes i am Tim. three two one go as my uh, i tried hitting the play button and it paused a little bit so i'm following like a few seconds <laughs> delay on what you're seeing Dane, <laughs> as the bat okay. just blew up yeah i remember what, one of the discussions we were having what's uh, like what our early episodes were talking about the movie about the contamination that explosion did to the Gotham water <laughs> yeah <laughs> right there <laughs> I, mean, I mean it's true right I mean yeah, you have to assume point. there was fish or what or sea life right yeah and so how are they going to repair that bridge I mean are they just going to knock it down and rebuild a new one or are they going to fix that one section 
I would say if the city's going to do it, they would just repair that one section. But if Wayne Enterprises is going to be in charge of it, they'll probably just build a bunch of new bridges. <laughs> Bruce Southern. Do things cheaply. Yeah. So we're getting the voiceover from Gordon in the eulogy for what right now is still on the assumption the death of Batman. And this is what... I'm sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, I was just going to say, this is the probably one of the only scenes where we see just random Gotham um, civilians, you know? Yeah. That's somebody that's not a cop or, you know, not connected to Batman or just regular people. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we yeah. saw a little bit of that in Batman Begins, I guess, in the Narrows. But right. in this extent, we get another look at a Gotham neighborhood that we didn't get yeah. to see too much of, so... Yeah, that was a good observation made in this one minute. So we'll <laughs> see. Did Bruce Wayne survive that explosion? Is Batman actually dead? We'll have to wait and find out in the next few minutes <laughs> as we're getting closer to the end. Ooh, hard to believe, but the big action sequences of this movie are done, Dane. We covered all of them. Now it's just the ending and the yeah, final few minutes. Can you believe it? <laughs> I wonder if anybody else has ever completed something like this. I'd like to say no, at least on the Batman podcast side of things. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I don't want to say that too loud. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to jinx it. That's but, true. When we yeah. finish ours, we'll, that's when we'll find out there's another podcast that did this I know. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, until we reach that milestone, uh, we'll just have to stick to that claim of fame for right now, I guess. <laughs> but yep. we'll get across that bridge when we come to it. But with that, we can get into our feature topic for this episode. And um, this one is going to be a little different. It's going to be one that should make for a fun discussion. It's going to be our favorite, personal favorite movies that everyone else seems to hate. I mean, we all got those movies that we like, that some that it's reputations amongst whether it's critically received or amongst this franchise particular fan base is viewed as not great or the worst of the series. But yet, for whatever reason, we still find enjoyment in like these movies. And I don't want to categorize it as guilty pleasures where you know it's bad, but yet you like watching it because it's good for a laugh. Because that's how I feel about the Street Fighter movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia. I know that movie's awful, but I love watching it. It's just such a fun time <laughs> seeing how ridiculous it is with its dialogue. It's, just, it's so entertaining. I love it. But Yeah, so movies- the, the, that, that was my main that was my main question was is this movie or is this going to be movies that are terrible that we just love to watch because it's funny and entertaining or is is it like an actual i love this movie sort of thing yeah it's going to be we find legitimate reasons why we like it and love might be a little strong for some of them like i got some of my list that i don't love and I recognize some of the problems, but I still there's still stuff in there that I legitimately like about it. So it's going to be kind of a, at least for me, mix of stuff where I recognize the problems and then ones where I don't see why so many people hate it because <laughs> I love most of it. So it's going to be kind of a mixed right. bag of that. So I guess to kick off, I'm going to do a top five, like always, um, to kick off my number five choice for one that has a really bad reputation and probably is considered the worst of the franchise but yet i still find enjoyment watching it and that is x-men origins wolverine and yes the 
it's not the Wolverine origin story we should have gotten. I'll be the first to admit that. There's a lot of problems with it. Noticeably, the CG is some of the worst you'll see in a superhero movie. I don't know how long it's been since you watched it, Dane, but do you remember the scene where Logan is in that family's farmhouse and he just got the adamantium put into him and he's looking at his claws in the mirror in the bathroom? And man, those adamantium claws look so bad. <laughs> it's like, remember those, uh, that, uh, tune gun and bullets in Roger Rabbit that Eddie Valiant uses. It almost has that effect. Like it's from Toontown or something. <laughs> and he put really? those claws on his hand. It looks awful. <laughs> and obviously a movie that came out in 2009, it looked bad then, but almost being 11 years later, it's going to look even worse now. <laughs> so the effects are bad. And the way they, my biggest problem with the movie is how really they rushed over uh, Wolverine getting his animantium put him. The biggest moment in Logan's life and probably the sequence we were most looking forward to seeing in a movie about his origin barely lasted a minute long. I mean, he gets the animantium put into him and he just doesn't even go on a rampage like we know he does in the comics or even some of the animated series. He just takes out one guard and just leaves the room. He doesn't cause the chaos and destruction and that he we know he does and even that they hinted to in x uh x2 x-men united where we got a little of those flashbacks and we saw those that images how bloody he is he's in shock of like seeing his claws for the first time and we know he caused damage in that lab but yet they just skimped over in the movie it was like so disappointing so but even with all that stuff hugh jackman gives another great performance i don't think he ever gives a bad performance as wolverine but i do like there's elements in the story here that i really dug I like how the relationship we created between him and Sabretooth, them kind of, kind of being uh, stepbrothers. I believe it's stepbrothers, not half-brothers. That, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I believe they were stepbrothers. But having that connection of them growing up together and that opening sequence in the movie is one of the coolest ever in any comic book movie where you just see him fighting in the various wars throughout history um, leading up to, I believe, Vietnam was the last one until they get taken prisoner and then recruited uh, by the Weapon X program. So all, I loved all that stuff in the beginning. And even the story later on, how they mess with Wolverine's memories and created this whole lie, him living with uh, Silver Fox, being happy, how all that was just uh, something to mess with Wolverine to get him to join up with the program again. So there's just story elements that fits in with what we know about Wolverine with his mind being messed up and messed with by these government agencies. So I liked all that stuff. It just wasn't executed as great as it could be. But I still enjoy the story for the most part that was told throughout here concerning Wolverine. Of course, there were things that were shoehorned in there that shouldn't have been like Deadpool at the end. I did like him in the beginning, minus the costume, but him being the main bad guy they had to face at the end was not great. <laughs> Obviously, as the more recent Deadpool movies go out of the way to show you how bad that was, which is always awesome to see Ryan Reynolds continuing to make fun of that performance. <laughs> and then getting all the other mutants uh, kind of shooting in there like Cyclops and there, Professor Rex having to have his cameo with one of the first, I believe, de-aging CG uh, techniques that <laughs> wasn't quite perfected yet. So again, going back to the CG troubles of the movie. So obviously I know all the issues it has, but with Wolverine, with Hugh Jackman's performance as Wolverine, some good story beats that I really liked in there that they gave for the character that just weren't quite executed as well as it could have. And another thing I love about it, Gambit was in the movie. I mean, I've been waiting to see Gambit in live action for so long, 
I still think he should have been in the regular X-Men movies. And I did like how Tyler Kitsch portrayed him in this movie, even though it still waiting to see him in a fully formed X-Men movie as part of the team, instead of just showing up by himself and just helping Wolverine for a little bit in the story. So um, yeah, I'm aware of the problems, but X-Men Origins Wolverine, that is one I still enjoy watching to this day. And I totally get why it has the reputation it does, but um, I still can't help but enjoying some aspects of it um, to this day. So yeah, that's my number five pick. Is 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 Gambit still in the X-Men comics? I, mean, I haven't read X-Men comics in years. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. of the continuity and that is just so messed right. up. X-Men characters coming and going, it's hard to lose track. So right now, I don't even know, to be honest with you. He could be, or he yeah. could not be. I always thought he was just the invention of the 90s. You know what I mean? Well, technically, he was. Like, so. <laughs> I, oh, he might have been okay. late 80s, actually, but oh. pretty close to that 90s. But yeah, those 90s X-Men teams, like... those are my favorite X-Men groups of all time. Those always will be my favorite. Pretty much what you see in the animated series from the 90s, that's yeah. like my ultimate X-Men roster <laughs> that I just love, all those characters. Uh, Jubilee. Jubilee, yeah. Uh, Beast. Beast in there. Gene, yeah. Gambit. Gene Grey. Storm, Wolverine, Cyclops. But even in the right. comics, there were some more, like they had the gold and blue team. That the cartoon didn't have the like, Archangel, Colossus, Iceman. They were all part of the that core group in the comics. Psylocke was another one. They all showed up in the animated series in various episodes, but they weren't part of the main group like they were in the comics. I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to remember. Um, is is Magneto the bad guy of that series? In the first season, he was, but. Even by the end of that season, he still ended up working with them. And throughout the course of the series, you, you mainly see him working with the X-Men and with Charles more than he was an adversary to them. To Looking back on it now, yeah, <laughs> there's more episodes with him working with the X-Men than him being the main villain. Yeah. I gotta watch that show, man. Yeah, it's so good. It still holds up. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I, I have a short list. Um, because I, I mean, I, I mostly agree. I mean, if a movie is terrible, it's terrible. You know, I, I just can't find anything to, to like about it. Um, but one big one, and I want to start off with the big one. Okay. Just to get out of the way is the last Jedi. That's uh, fair. <laughs> Obviously that <laughs> react to that is split. So <laughs> can't yeah. go wrong with that one. Yeah. Uh, you didn't like it when it came out. Um, a lot of people don't still don't like it to this day. I think it's the best Star Wars movie that, that they've put out that they've ever put out. Um, it's it's a char- it's character based. It's um, happens in real time, um, and it's it's what happens when you you have a Star Wars movie, uh, a franchise that is infamous for. The great adventure. The let's go on this great adventure to go to this place to meet the people to learn how to become a thing, um, and it flips it on its head because, I mean, obviously you you cannot satisfy everyone. So, um, and 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 you no matter how much you sit there and try to think about how to write a movie like that to 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 top. 
whatever it is that came before, you're just not going to do it. You're not going to do it. And it's just better to sort of flip it on its head and do something completely different. And I think that's what that movie tried to do. And a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, And it's also what happens when you forego, I guess you could say, that that great journey, that great adventure, and you have a movie about actual characters. Imagine that. You know, actual people rather than uh, a stereotype or an archetype, right? Um, And that's mostly what I respect about that movie. It's how they sort of took expectation and didn't even bother with it almost didn't even bother with it because I mean, from that first, you know, interaction between Ray and Luke, Luke tosses the lightsaber. And I know a lot of people don't like it. I know you didn't like it, Tim, but I loved it. You know, see, it's it. That's still something that I do not like in the movie. I've come around on a lot of things in the movie as we've well documented over the last three years, but that scene, I still wish didn't happen (laughs) with Luke tossing the lightsaber. Yeah, because then, then you get something where it's like, okay, so, so. I mean, if 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 he did not do that, and he was like, okay, I'll train you, and we'll do this, and we'll do that, then you're missing out on what went wrong, right? What yeah. went wrong with 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 Luke, and what he tried to do after uh, Return of the Jedi. You have two characters essentially just talking through. Their problems, really. Um, they don't do much training. Um, it's just mostly them having ph- philosophical discussions about w- what the Jedi are, what the Force is, and that's it, you know? And I know a lot of people criticize that. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, but Ray didn't train. She doesn't know how to use a lightsaber. She doesn't know how to fight. She doesn't know how to do this. Or that, or the other thing. I really hate that argument. There's so many examples, even in The Force Awakens, that shows she knows how to fight right. <laughs> and use a weapon like a lightsaber. Ugh. But with that being said, I think you know the movie does d- does that sort of training thing one thing better, where it's it's not Luke on Dagobah carrying Yoda on his shoulders and doing flips and doing handstands and stuff. It's two people talking about like the implications of, of the force and the light side and the dark side. And to me, that's way more interesting than seeing a training montage of Ray doing handstands or whatever, you know, learning how to use the lightsaber or whatever, you know, I mean, there is that in that movie, but it's only the briefest of mentions. Um, so, again, it's it, it's it, it's about taking people's expectation expectations, like yours, Tim. I mean, you're the biggest Star Wars fan I know by a mile. <laughs> um, so, um, it's taking that expectation and just ignoring it completely which I thought was the most brilliant thing that Ryan Johnson could have ever done or the Star Wars franchise could have ever done. Um, I know a lot of people don't like it. Uh, 
I know a lot of people don't like the running away aspect of um, the film with, with Leia and uh, Poe and Finn, or not Poe in the beginning, but um, Finn and uh, Rose going to, I, I keep on forgetting the name of that. Canto Bite. Canto Bite, that Monaco-esque yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, planet, but um, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people don't like it. I I love it. It's it's characters being characters, making mistakes, doing the wrong thing. And we see that with Poe in the beginning. You know, yeah, you you, you kind of sort of distracted the 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 new order, but like 5,000 people died. You know what I mean? They don't have a they don't have a, a, an entire squadron now because you decided to do this distraction thing, you know? So I, I just thought that the last Jedi period was way more interesting than any, with the exception of empire, I'd say, um, the, 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 the latter part of empire, I thought it was way more interesting than any of the other, uh, star Wars movies. It, it's, it's more of a kind of a, I hate to say it because I know um, it it goes more into what the force is and you know the dark side and the light side, you know things like that. But it's sort of like an episode of the Clone Wars, and I don't mean to say that by uh, to to diminish the Last Jedi or hey, that's not a diminish, it's a compliment. <laughs> you know, right? Right? Wars it's is, so. it's it's more like a episode of Clone Wars where they don't do anything. Um, which is something, you know, which is the theme that we'll get to when we talk about Ninja Turtles comics. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's why I love that, uh, The Last Jedi is because it's, it's not so much about the action or the adventure or the, the fate or all of these themes that are infamous in the star Wars sort of, uh, movie franchise. It's, it's, it's more about, you know, philosophical discussions, discussions about war and war profiteering, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, um, religion, I guess you could say, um, uh, pro and con, uh, and it, it, it's, like I said, it's it's a movie about characters and the world that they live in. And it makes me sad that people don't understand this, that it's about the Star Wars universe. And it's probably the most about the Star Wars universe that you'll ever get in these movies. Because most of the time, they're on this great adventure. And there kind of isn't any room for that. Um, because, you know, we need to go here to find the thing, to, to get the other thing, to point us in the right to you know to to go to the other place to go to the place that Palpatine is you know so yeah I'm gonna say the last Jedi <laughs> I, I I think I made my point <laughs> so but, can you um, definitively say now the last Jedi is your favorite Star Wars movie oh yeah I, I mean I mean I, I I said that when it came out I think um, that this was my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, 
it it, it is a, a little too long <laughs> at the end. Uh, but in the end, it's it, it's it's so well put together, and it's 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 about it's about the themes of. I mean, it's it's it, it's it's about the world of Star Wars. You know what I mean? It's not about the major themes of it. You know, the the, the hero and the, the villain and the great adventure and the all these sort of things. It's not Luke versus Vader or Luke leaving Tatooine. It's about what would have happened if Luke actually sat down with Vader. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's why I appreciate The Last Jedi. I know a lot of people don't get it uh, or don't like it or don't understand it or what have you or are too hung up about gender politics or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I just really love that film. And I love that you do love it that way, even though, like I said, it's not my personal favorite. And I know, like I said, it's, it's split down the middle. A lot of people love it, too. So I always like hearing the different viewpoints that uh, people who do love it take away from it. So it is definitely a layered movie where there's a lot to peel back and look at uh, and dissect for what you love and don't love about it. So one thing's right. for sure, the discussion on The Last Jedi three years later isn't going away <laughs> anytime What's soon. That? And you bring up a good point because, uh, I mean, you and a bunch of other people where they say that the magic of Star Wars is gone in that movie. I never said that. (laughs) You did. You did. I never said the magic was gone. You did, Tim. No, I didn't. I never said that. episode. Uh, Okay. Well, let's just say everybody else then. Because <laughs> I, I have to pull up that episode again. That. I said that. I, don't... I specifically remember you saying that, but maybe I. I well, maybe I don't remember saying it because I've come around yeah. on that movie, but <laughs> that doesn't sound like something I'd ever say that the magic is gone from Star Wars. But, but you know, in a sense, that make that's what makes it unique. You know, where it's not about the magic; it's about people and people sitting down and talking, actual people. You know. Rather than, you know, fighting the Empire or fighting the New Order or fighting Darth Vader or fighting Kylo Ren, you know. So, yeah, that, that's why it's my favorite Star Wars film. It's, it's the most unique, I, I'd say. Uh, definitely the most unique out of all of the Star Wars films. Yeah, that I'll definitely agree with. <laughs> all right, so moving on to my number four pick. I'll be going to another franchise here. And this one I was actually debating on which one because there's two movies in this franchise that, well, maybe more than that, but for me anyway, that I legitimately really like that. I don't know which one I should put, but I came down. It is going to be from the Jurassic Park franchise. So it was going to be the Jurassic Park 3 because I do legitimately like that movie too, even though I know it's considered to be one of the worst. But then probably... The one I went with is The Last Jedi of the Jurassic Park franchise. <laughs> that is the most recent Uh-oh. movie. Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> oh. Because I, when it came out, the reaction... Obviously, Jurassic Park isn't as huge as Star Wars, so it's not going to have that big reaction amongst the fan base and online social media stuff where you just saw all the different opinions on it. But amongst the Jurassic Park fandom, this one kind of split fans, I know, <laughs> down the middle, too. And... But I end up really, really liking this movie. I went into it knowing that it's they do something different 
uh, a lot of fans weren't happy with it with some of the reviews but after seeing it i really liked what they did with it because to me it feels so realistic of what would happen if like dinosaurs really were cloned and recreated in our world today the stuff that plays out in that movie i could totally see happening if it was real uh these companies trying to exploit uh dinosaurs and sell them off to get money that aspect of it and even the more controversial aspects of the film with the human cloning of uh, the little girl of uh, john hammond's partner who took a step further and wanted to start testing on cloning humans (laughs) after the dinosaurs and i could totally see that happening too if you had this breakthrough in science you're not there's going to be people who aren't going to just limit it to something they're going to take it a step further and i could totally see you know it's going beyond dinosaurs and animals. Obviously, someone would want to try it out on humans, too. So all of it, that type of stuff that made the movie controversial, I think, really worked and could totally see that as a plausible thing that could happen. Not to mention with the Jurassic Park film, it has some great dinosaur action in it, too. The scene when they go back to uh, Isla Nublar, where we see the destruction of that island which was sad to say, sad to see, to be honest, knowing the history of everything that happened from the first movie that went down there. Great stuff there. And just having that horror vibe to the end sequence in the mansion. There's just a lot of great visuals in there when they're going up against the Indoraptor. Um, they have given it that horror vibe. So there's a lot of stuff I really like about the movie. And then how it ended, too, with uh, the dinosaurs kind of being out in the wild and adapting to man's world and the ecosystem here. And I know it got some comparisons to, oh, they're just redoing what happened at the end of The Lost World with the Tyrannosaurus wreaking havoc down in San Diego. But this is obviously definitely more impactful for that because there's multiple dinosaurs. And again, it's them adapting to various ecosystems now in the mainland. So just I can't wait to see how the next movie is going to deal with that and just how uh, the world is going to be with dinosaurs out in the wild. So... I'm looking forward to seeing where the story goes, but I really dug what they did with Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. And I might be uh, one of the, well, I shouldn't say one of the few, because I know, like I said, there's kind of split in amongst Jurassic Park fans of the reaction for this movie. And a lot of people who love it, and a lot of people who hate it. So I'm definitely on the more positive side of the film, even though I know it's not for everybody. So Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom is going to be my number four pick for movies that I love, but a lot of people hate. Um. Just uh, going off of that, my next one is Jurassic Park 3. Oh, nice. Uh, See, I'm glad we yeah. both got those movies covered. <laughs> I'm I mean, uh, major point is Alan Grant is back. Yep. Right? Took the words um, right out of my mouth. Yep. <laughs> cannot go wrong with that. Um, different island, but seeing Alan Grant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that should have been the tagline on the poster or the DVD yeah. box. <laughs> um. Ellie Sadler is back briefly at yep. the end. Um, but yeah, main thing is Alan Grant is back. Doesn't matter what adventure he's in. I'm going to love it. Uh, I love Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the story isn't very good with um, those, I don't know, I don't know what you call it, the PMCs, the private military company that, that's hired. That's not really a private military company. It's just. Some guys that William H Macy knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I just. I, hey, they I just was... had to find a way to get to the island for a different reason. Yeah. Once they're there on the island, I mean, 
let the dinosaur action ensue. And <laughs> we got a lot of cool right. stuff with that in Jurassic Park. Right. right. And that's the point of these movies now. I mean, it's not about Steven Spielberg creating magic. It's about dinosaurs, right? Uh, it's about digital dinosaurs. I think this was the first one, all digital, right? I like to think they still had some practical effect shots with the dinosaurs in there. I want to say they did. A majority or, of it's or, digital, obviously, but... Or was it Jurassic World that was the digital one? First digital. It doesn't matter, but... Yeah. I'm not sure um, all of them are just only digital. I think all of them have, still have some practical dinosaur effects yeah. in there. One thing I am um, sort of looking for in these uh, new movies is... I mean, I, I know people go crazy over Jeff Goldblum for some reason and Ian Malcolm. Uh... And people love Jeff Goldblum, period. But I really want to see Dennis Ninja again. Flashback. <laughs> I mean, we can do a flashback. It, it doesn't... Uh, I don't think it'll screw with the with the canon, you know, much. So well, let's, uh, let's get a I, Dennis Ninja prequel movie. Forget it, just a flashback sequence. Let's get his own movie going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how did he get to Jurassic Park? How do you, yeah, how do you get, get that job? Job, yeah, right. How do you get in contact with Dodson and that whole yeah. avenue? Mm-hmm. I got it, Tim. A Dennis Nedry and Dodson uh, TV series. You know, they're <laughs> adventurous together, right? Yeah, there you go. What's Universal's <laughs> streaming service? Are, are they the ones behind Peacock? Or yeah, Peacock. <laughs> whatever. Right. <laughs> That should be one of their original programming for their streaming service. I would sign up for that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. Um, but yeah, uh, Jurassic Park 3, I love that movie. It's just a fun adventure. Don't look too much into the story. You won't get much, but I just love that movie. Yeah, like you said, it has Alan Grant. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm really excited about the next one, too. You're going to have all three of them back in this movie, in the their Jurassic World. We'll see how big of a role they have, but it'll be cool to see them all again. Yeah, just uh, Dennis Nedry. Let's go. Let's <laughs> let's let's take that for a for a walk in the park. Yeah, a walk be... in the Jurassic Park. <laughs> a Jurassic World, Tim. <laughs> all right. So my number three pick, going back to the superhero films, and this is probably not going to surprise most because. You know, this is one of the movies that has a bad reputation, but I still really, really like it. And that is going to be Green Lantern. And maybe it's the Green Lantern fan in me, the bias that's going to (laughs) show out here. But it again, it's one of those cases where is it the Green Lantern movie that we should have gotten? No. But yet there's still a lot of elements of the Green Lantern mythos that I did love seeing on screen. And I still like seeing now whenever I watch it. And one thing I'm always appreciative, they got the core element of the story right for the most part of the Green Lantern mythos and how everything works with the emotional spectrum, the willpower, the ring, and the origin of Hal Jordan. I really loved how they did all that stuff. And especially when they get on Owet and Hal Jordan arrives there, the training he receives there from Kilowog, Tomar Ray, and obviously Sinestro, all that stuff is great. It's just the Green Lantern's man dream come true, but problem is we're not there long enough it's one of those things where they just cannot wait 
to get off of Owens. I'm like, all right, here you go. This is supposed to be a Mentor Fantasy. Now let's get back to Earth where things are a little more simple. We don't have to worry about our budget for the special effects anymore <laughs> because we know that was an issue with the production of the film where they had to give more budget to the special effects. And sometimes it doesn't even seem like uh, the extra money was worth it <laughs> because some of those effect shots don't hold up necessarily well. But um, the core elements of the Green Lantern stuff that is there, I still really like seeing. And I'll even say I really enjoyed how uh, Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan. A lot of people, I know he himself likes to look back on and make fun of himself in that performance. But I think he still had some of those elements that you look for in Hal Jordan. And probably with um, future, if they got a chance to do more movies, I think he could have really uh, developed more and taken into that role as Hal Jordan. But yeah, even though the problems there with, having parallax not be the parallax that he should have been and really a lackluster final villain to fight in that movie hector hammond's that subplot wasn't needed and just not really focusing on the core mythology of the green lanterns and just the cosmic side that we know the green lantern mythos has which which is sadly not explored as it should have been uh in this movie so again i recognize the problems in that the, it's not the Green Lantern movie we should have gotten, but there's still a lot of stuff as a Green Lantern fan I just love seeing um, in live action for the first time and as of right now, still the only time <laughs> as we're still waiting for that potential next Green Lantern core movie and that TV show, which is looking more likely as we're, we're hearing talks about it still obviously coming for HBO Max. So I'm more hopeful about the TV show right now coming first than the movie, but I'm making for more live action Green Lantern because we know the potential of that uh, franchise could have. And it just needs to be handled with a little more care than that movie did. But at the same time, the Green Lantern and fan in me still enjoys watching it. So, yeah, Green Lantern is my number three. Yeah, I think the the new release date for the, the Green Lantern movie, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, Tim, but I think it's uh, 2048. <laughs> 2048, okay. That's soon? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. My next pick is one that uh, didn't, I didn't really feel got the attention it deserved, but uh, maybe you think differently, Tim, but um, it's the Godzilla movie, the 2014. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. I, I, I just love that movie because it's, it's just an adventure. I mean, it's, I know people, a lot of people have problems with its story, but again, like Jurassic Park 3, just forget about the story. And let's just, and I, I know there's not a lot of Godzilla in it for a movie that's called yeah, Godzilla. That's the biggest problem with it, really. Uh, but that that end sequence, you know, in the, are, are they in San Francisco? They are, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where uh, Godzilla is fighting that that big winged thing or whatever it's called, yeah. um, the Mito, or something like that. I want, uh, I want to say Mewtwo. Uh, I know it's the Pokemon, but <laughs> uh, the Muto, Muto. Yeah, there you go. I think. Hold on, let me look that up really quick. I should have looked this up. <laughs> <laughs> but I know we're pretty close. I think you're right. It is the Muto. Uh, see. Yeah, the Muto, massive unidentified terrestrial organism. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Now we know why they call cool. it Muto. Much easier to say. Also, a movie where I would presumably be dead. I'd say. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's a tsunami. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Dave. Yeah, I guess I'm dead in that movie <laughs> franchise. But 
hey, I still love it. Um, but, but yeah, that, uh, I really like the fight at the end, and I really like the uh, the characters. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say the the Godzilla 2014 movie um, kind of went away. Uh, I, I'm trying to look up its box office. Yeah, see, so it it, it almost made five times its its budget. So hmm. yeah, and it kicked off the somewhat monster universe of you know, we got King Kong Skull Island and we got the Godzilla King Kong versus movie coming up so I, I agree with you I, I really like that movie a lot and just for I like how they made Godzilla kind of the hero of the movie where he wasn't attacking uh, a city and they had to d- kill it and take him down it was him defending <laughs> uh, the mainland and really the people there from those uh Mutos, and I like that aspect that they direction they took it with it there. And again, the characters they weren't annoying characters, uh, they served their purpose and what they needed to do. And that was why I think it's so much better than the last one, Godzilla King of the Monsters. That was such a disappointment to me. There should have been totally. so much better when you got Rodan, you got Ghidorah, you got Mothra, all those they all looked great, but the characters in the second one, they really took it down for me. A lot of them I just really did not like. And I was really disappointed with that s- sequel. Is that the one with uh, seven? I mean, not seven. Eleven. <laughs> seven yeah. <eleven>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or her real name, Millie Bobby Brown. <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, we, we are also recording this on seven eleven. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there. Hey, isn't today a free Slurpee day then? <laughs> But they usually yeah, have that promotion. I, yeah, but I I don't remember. I mean, I I don't know if they're doing it in California, but here they're they're not doing um, they're, because of COVID. They're they're not doing it this year. Uh, but yeah. I guess that's understandable. But if they're still open, why can't they still do it? I don't know. Maybe they don't want the influx of crowds. Yeah. So well, that I can. Yeah, understand. and people touching the the nozzle or whatever. That's a good called. point. Yeah. yeah, I stand corrected. Yeah. But but that's the one with uh, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, mm. uh, that's a shame. That that one looked good. I saw it looked really good. The trailers were awesome, yeah. and the monster fights still are cool. But I, I don't think not as good as that final one in the first movie. So yeah, hopefully Godzilla versus King Kong is ends up being better. <laughs> I'm, I'll <laughs> still be excited for that. Yeah, but for my number two pick. And this is going to be another big franchise in the line of Star Wars, in the Star Wars family. And I don't know if we talked about this too much, Dane, but if not, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on it as well. But if we have, I just don't remember. But my number two is going to be Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And this obviously is considered the worst Indiana Jones movie amongst fans. And for me, I don't understand why. I could see some elements, but... For stuff to consider it to be really, really bad and not even consider it part of the Indiana Jones franchise, I think it's just kind of silly to say because watching it, it's to me, I'm still getting a great, fun Indiana Jones story. And the action that I expect, the humor that I expect with Indiana Jones film, to me, it's all there. And it's just, I don't know, it's because it's different because he's older. You can throw in, is it because no one likes Shia LaBeouf as his son? But to me, the characters work well together in the movie. The only problem that to me takes it down a notch is that. Um, Wait, Tim. Tim, okay. before you say it, can I can I guess it? Go ahead. Is it the refrigerator? No, it's not even that. Is it ridiculous? Okay. Yes, but 
again, that's, that doesn't kill it for me. Yeah. No. The only thing that I find uh, was like real eye rolling is where they're in their chase, that chase, I believe it's the Amazon and the car chase. And the CG is not great there. I will give, understand that, but it's still a fun sequence. But then when you got Shia LaBeouf getting tangled up in the vines and then you see him swinging with those monkeys with the grease, like the grease style hair that's like his, it's like, uh, <laughs> that's one of those type of humors and like scenes that did not feel like it should be in an Indiana Jones film to me. But again, that's just one sequence out of a whole movie where I just really enjoyed. I like the adventure and the mystery that they have to try to solve to find the kingdom of the crystal skull, what it all means. I like having that alien dynamic, or I should say, um, internet, inter- if I could talk, interdimensional beings, I think is what they're referred to in the film. But just having that new element into Indiana Jones and they're not looking for this ancient artifact like the, uh, Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Grail, they're going into more of the extraterrestrial terrain as far as the MacGuffin of the movie. And I like that aspect because even before it was officially announced, it was always kind of widely considered or speculated on that if we were to get an Indiana Jones 4, it would have to deal with uh, some aliens and Roswell and that whole conspiracy. So I'm glad that it eventually did go with that angle. So yeah, I really liked it. it we're getting another Indiana Jones movie and I know a lot of people are saying, oh, it can't be worse than Crystal Skull, or they should just stop with Crystal Skull because it's going to be just as bad. That's not the case with me. I'm just looking forward to more adventures with this great character. And as long as we have Harrison Ford and he needs up to do it, why not? So, yeah, I really enjoy Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I, it's one of those movies I just do not get the hate that it has. I can understand not loving it or not liking it as some of the original films, but just uh, hate it and not even consider it as part of the franchise. I just... Don't understand, because I think it still has a lot of those core Indiana Jones elements that we just love watching in his movies. Um, for me, uh, my number two pick, round number two, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a controversial one of them for you and I. Uh-oh. Um, you know, I've tossed this back and forth in my head because all of the movies are bad. Uh... But then somebody said something that I kind of agree with. Um, and that is going to be Out of the Shadows. Okay. I really well, like I got to say, Dane, I do take issue with you say all the movies are bad because that first Ninja Turtles movie, it's such a classic. It's not, it's it's, not it's good, It's great. It's up there. No, it's one of the best comic not. book movies ever. No, it's not. Yeah. I'm sorry. We might just have I to have an episode can't. debating that movie. <laughs> I know. I I just cannot get into that first movie. It's boring to me. I don't know why. <laughs> um, it, 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 it has that Batman Forever thing where they're trying to be goofy, but they're trying to be Batman 89. You know what I mean? No, I don't. They're trying to do that no. serious thing. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'll, let, I'll let you explain it out of the shadows. <laughs> okay. Out of the shadows, um, all to to me, Tim, to me, <laughs> um, all of the Ninja Turtles movies are bad. Uh, there hasn't been a good one, especially when you get to that third one. Yeah, um, no argument there. What are me. we doing? <laughs> what are we doing in Japan? For no reason, we're in Japan. <laughs> um, but. Out of the shadow, uh, and I, 
this has something to do with the, the the Ninja Turtles comics, which I've been reading, I've caught up on, which we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about them. Oh, yes. Um, but as you know, Sophie Campbell is the new writer artist on that book. And I was listening to an interview she did, and she was saying that her favorite movie is uh, Out of the Shadows because each oh, turtle gets... They're due justice, right? Um, it's it's not a movie about uh, two turtles or one turtle like all of the previous movies have been. Like the first one, it's kind of about Raphael. Yeah. Uh, the second one is about Donnie, and I want to say Raphael too. I'd say Donatello is probably the, the more prominent one in the second one, but yeah, right, I think right. both of those are accurate. Yeah. Um, you know, third one, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I should take your pick, I guess. <laughs> Fourth one, none of them. <laughs> um, or, sorry, uh, yeah, fourth one, none of them. Fifth one is they, they each get their own little segment, right? Um, so I'm going to agree with that. It's it's not a very good movie, but it's a fun, like, it, it's it's fun, right? It's It doesn't take itself too seriously. The serious parts, it's it's really serious. Uh, even though it's really brief, um, I, I I agree with people when they say that they can't get into the um, the design of the turtles, and I, I I can't I can't really either. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, fine. I guess it gets the job done for trying yeah. to be different. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to end up being anyone's favorite design of the turtles. Yeah, I, I I do like the Donnie look though. Oh really? He's like my least favorite one with those big oh, really? glasses and all the <laughs> too much gear on him. I think, but, but yeah, he has like a I don't know server on his back. Yeah, <laughs> I I yeah I I like the look of Donnie in, in, in those movies. Um, but yeah, she she was just saying that each turtle has their own thing, and it's the only movie where you see uh, Mikey sad. You know, mm-hmm. because he's like, oh, they hated us, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, my pick is going to be Out of the Shadows. It's definitely my favorite of the Turtles movies, but still the lar- the, 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 the bar is really, um, really low on the uh, on that front. <laughs> I will agree that is the way they handle the Turtles. You could say what you want about both of those movies, but I think the way they handle the Turtles and their personality, especially in the second one, is really, really well done. I was going to get Fulton movie for how they handled the turtles and those two. So cool. I'll have to check out that uh, Sophie Campbell interview. What was it from? Yeah. I uh, hold on. This is, uh, I have to look through my, my podcasts. Okay. So it was on a podcast then. Yeah, it was on a podcast. Um, uh, the TMNT minute. Okay. I've heard yeah. of that show. I haven't listened to too much of it, though, but I'll have to check it out. Yeah, me neither. Um, but yeah, um, I'm going to say Out of the Shadows is my favorite um, Turtles movie. All right, cool. Well, that Controversial, be... I know, among, among well, um, well, especially like you said about the first movie, so <laughs> that's what makes it controversial. <laughs> but I just we'll... cannot get into that movie. No matter how many times I, wa- I try to watch it, I just can't do it. It's uh, it's always it, it 
my favorite movie before that, deep before this, was the second of the original trilogy because it's just so out there and it's so bad and vanilla <laughs> ice. Is in it. And um, so that that would be in there if you were doing your the movies that we know are bad, but it's so good. <laughs> Timeless. Yeah. You'd have the second one on there. Yeah. Um, one thing I do like about that, or at least the first two movies, is uh, the voice of Shredder. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know they're trying to do a Darth Vader ripoff, but <laughs> I, I love it. Hey, it's bits, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're here to my number one pick for movies that I love that everyone else hates. And this is definitely one that I love. It's not just that I really enjoy or like, I love this movie. And you could probably guess what it is knowing me and the conversations we've had. And of course it's going to, we're going to star Wars territory and it's going to be. Okay. So we have the same one, I think. No, Dane, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're, Oh, you're talking something different than the last Jedi then. Yeah. Okay. Well then maybe we do, but mine is going to be, Attack of the Clones, a movie that so many fans consider to be the worst of the franchise and they cannot sit through. And I'm just, what movie are you watching? (laughs) And I'll say right off the bat, yes, the Anakin and Padme dialogue and the romance, it's not great. I'll be the first to admit that. The whole scene with uh, the infamous sand line, is it great? No, (laughs) but is it what the whole but the whole movie encompasses it and it is about no to me that's the thing the stuff that really people complain about in the movie with anakin and padme there's really not a whole lot of scenes of that in my opinion because not all of them are bad there are some scenes with anakin and padme that i think are really well done like where they have that uh, meadow picnic and the conversation they have there about politics i found i find to be really interesting and good and everything on with them on tatooine so not everything with them is bad like the perception a lot of fans seem to have on this movie. But regardless of that, what this movie introduced into Star Wars, I'll just forever love it. I think it has one of the most underrated stories in a Star Wars movie um, with the mystery of trying to figure out who is behind the assassination attempts at Palpatine and what that leads to the discovery of the clone army and how that kicks off the Clone Wars. And we get these amazing action sequences on Geonosis, which is probably my favorite ground battle action sequence um, in a Star Wars film of sequence that really puts the war in star wars i love all that stuff and then uh it introduces the clone troopers one of my favorite aspects of all of star wars the story that we get to know with the clones later on in clone wars and in revenge of the sith but it all started here in attack of the clones and it was just so so good and heck another thing we cannot forget about what this movie brought us yoda using the lightsaber for the first time and seeing his Jedi, why he's a Jedi master on display, deflecting Dooku's uh, force lightning and just anything Dooku was throwing at him, Yoda would just flip, flip it away like it was nothing. It was just so cool seeing Yoda like that. And I'll never forget seeing that in the theater for the first time and just the, the crowd erupting <laughs> when this that sequence played out. So, yeah, there's just so much I love about Attack of the Clones, the story. What it introduces is the Star Wars, the action. Just so much of what I love about Star Wars is in this movie, um, which to me diminishes some of the problems that it has um, that a lot of people like to really uh, focus on and takes it down for them. So to me, I'll always love Attack of the Clones. And uh, we just 
our latest episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, we did our rankings of every Star Wars movie. And I probably had this higher than, <laughs> definitely higher than where Kyle and Paul had it. But I think even among Star Wars fans, I probably had it higher than most. So it's a movie that I love and probably would cause some controversy amongst some other movies. I, I have it higher than in my rankings list. So if you want to find out where I put it and how it ranks amongst the reds, you could check out that episode. But I'll forever have my love of Attack of the Clones on display. It's such an underrated Star Wars movie, in my opinion, and I just love it. So, yeah, Attack of the Clones, that was an easy choice for me as far as a movie that I love, but everyone else seems to hate. It was a no-brainer. So now I'm curious, is that your pick too, Dane? Yeah. Nice. It was. <laughs> so yeah, I thought it could have been Phantom Menace. But... Uh, I'm going to do you one better because uh, I, th- I just feel that between the two of us, it needs to be mentioned at least briefly, uh, which is Solo. I yeah, love Solo's, that movie. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like it. See, my problem, but... I think, with Solo is that there's a lot of people who haven't even seen it, <laughs> let alone have an opinion on right. it to consider, you know, not liking it. Right. I, I, I like... I can never pronounce his name, but Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich, right? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Alden Ehrenreich. Um, I love his portrayals on Solo, um, and you, you, you can't top what what Harrison Ford no has done. <laughs> you just can't do it. But what you can do is you can bring something new to it while sort of doing kind of an imitation of him. Uh, but you can do your own thing. With yeah. It was and a nice blend. It was a nice blend. Um, and I, I just feel like th- that's the crux of that movie. You know, it, it, it is Han, Han Solo. Even if you don't want to believe it, you know, it is Han Solo. And this is kind of the movie that we we've all really wanted as as Star Wars fans or as Star Wars people that le- like Star Wars. Yeah. You know, this is the movie that we really wanted. It's um, funny when you say when you t- hear some people how say how much they hated the Last Jedi and this is not what we're looking for in a Star Wars movie. You got that next in Solo, but yet you were so disappointed with Star Wars and you had to make a point, quote unquote, that you were going to boycott it, that you're missing out on some really great Star Wars stuff. Sure. Um, and I mean, come on. Entrance Nest is the coolest looking thing in the Star Wars movie. <laughs> it's um, one of the coolest. Yeah, she, her design is so cool. Yeah, she, she looks so cool. But um, I just love this movie. It, it's the Star Wars movie that I really, really wanted. Um, j- just an adventure and taking itself seriously. But not taking itself seriously because it's on solo. Um, but yeah, I I just love this movie. I I don't know what what people's hangups are with this movie, um, but I don't really care because it's uh, it's it's really well done and it's so sad we'll we'll never get a sequel to this, um, even if there was one planned. I'll never say never. You never know what could happen. If uh, at least the Snyder Cut has taught us anything, never give up on something you thought would never happen, end up happening. It might not be a movie, but hey, maybe we'll get a Disney Plus series or something. I don't know. Now with that box office uh, return. 
<laughs> hey, look at Justice League's box office return. That was it. That was probably worse, I think, than Solo's. So. <laughs> yeah, was it? Hmm. I want to check really quick. Because you got this, the hashtag make Solo 2 happen. That's kind of like released a Snyder Cut <laughs> amongst the Star Wars fans. They really want to oh, see really? that. So it's kind of gotten some traction on certain days. So you never know. It can get their attention and Lucasfilm can maybe consider doing something for Disney Plus on it. So that's why I say never say never. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was twice as much. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Solo over Justice League, you mean, right? Uh, Justice League over Solo. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, uh, I stand corrected. Uh, $300 million budget. And it it got uh, six fifty seven point nine million, and Solo got uh, two two hundred seventy five to three hundred million, and it only made three hundred ninety three point two million. Oh man, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> not great. But still, I'll, I still will say never say never. Yeah, never say never. But I agree with you on that one. So yeah, I guess that's rounds up our list for our top five favorite movies that nobody else seems to like <laughs> this was a fun one i always it was something i had uh, in the back of my mind of wanting to talk about realizing some of the movies that i really like but yet realize not everyone else does so probably if i ever think about some more there might be uh, some more i could add on the list but right now i think these are the five that i view the most that i really like that um, don't have the best reputation amongst fans but still that doesn't matter just Enjoy what you enjoy and don't let others affect your opinion, regardless of the of film's reputation. So just like what you like. But, surprised you didn't, I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, Watchmen. <laughs> well, I, I, I put that as not someone that's a lot of people don't like. It's kind of more a split reaction, kind of like The Last Jedi, but I don't think not quite on that level. But I still find more people, at least on social media and the interactions I have, more people who like it than don't, even though I know it does have its detractors detractors so i kind of yeah. that one didn't quite make the cut as far as not enough people not liking it if that makes sense yeah um but with that we can get into some of our news topics and one of them is some really cool news that we got just yesterday as we were recording this episode is that it was officially announced that we're going to be getting a gotham city police department tv show coming to hbo max but it is going to be set in the same universe as the Batman movie. And it's going to be produced by Matt Reeves and Terrence Winter. And like I said, it's coming to HBO Max. And this was a really unexpected announcement, but one that I think is going to be really cool. And maybe about five years ago, we got an announcement about uh, another Gotham City Police Department show coming to Fox. That's going <laughs> to kind of be a new police procedural about the GCPD. And that one turned out quite differently than what we were expecting. <laughs> I think it's safe to say. But with this one, it really sounds like they're going to really focus on the serious aspects of the Gotham City, Gotham City Police Department. And what I think is going to have to deal with some of the corruption that goes on there. And uh, I guess how the police department is going to deal with that but not too much details as far as how batman is going to be focused on the series i think it just came out today there was a tweet uh, where it says it's going to take place before the events of the movie but that doesn't necessarily mean batman won't be around in this timeline so it's still not clear yet on that i hope it is set in a time period where there's people know about batman even though we might not see him but i hope it's something where bat it's way before Batman even exists. Cause I still want to have that Batman element where the police department and the officers are talking about, you know, this new vigilante or this bat creature who they're not too sure 
about, but they know he's out there. That would I think that would be a great element to have in the show. But um, yeah, this is going to be something that's going to be no release date yet, but it is going to be an extension of the movie, which I think is just great. And there's some quotes from Matt Reeves in the announcement where he says, it's an amazing opportunity not only to expand the vision of the world I'm creating in the film, but to explore in the kind of depth and detail that only a long-form format can afford and getting to work with the incredibly talented Terrence Winter, who has written so uh, so insightful and powerfully about words of crime and corruption, it's an absolute dream. So to me, it just speaks to the volume and the potential of the movie and what Matt Reeves has created for that film for where him and not only just him, but Warner Brothers feels, you know, we got to tell more stories in this world he's created, in this Gotham he's created for this film. And that just has me excited. So uh, I cannot wait to get more information on it. I believe it wasn't in the press release, I don't think, but I've heard some other outlets say that Gordon should be a character in it, but not necessarily um, the main focus and the main character. Like he might show up uh, every so often in certain episodes. So because I think you can have a Gotham City Police Department show without Gordon having some type of presence in there. So it should be really, really cool. And obviously on HBO Max, it'll have, a bigger budget than we're used to on network TV and hopefully have that more serious tone we kind of expect from an HBO TV show. Not obviously it's probably not going to be as mature as some of the other shows we've gotten. Um, Cause I don't think they'd want to alienate all of the Batman fandom, but have it be, um, I should say the more younger Batman fandoms, but have it be a little more serious in tone when dealing with some of the subject matters, like Matt Reeves says, like crime and corruption. So I'm excited for it. Definitely unexpected, but it not only makes me excited for the TV show, but just for the Batman movie even more so. The fact that uh, we're going to see more of this Gotham and this uh, these characters that hopefully what we see in the movie will be expanded upon in the TV show. So, yeah, really cool news. You know, I think it's funny on HBO Max that they have like these serious adult shows and then they have Sesame Street and <laughs> Dexter's <laughs> Lab and <laughs> whatever. It is based on the great variety it has. Yeah. Yeah, so how are you feeling about the show, Dane? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, let, let's see where this goes. Uh, um, I don't know about the timing, though. <laughs> to have a show about the police department now is, uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see where we are when the show comes out. Yeah. At the same time, too, I don't think they should necessarily shy away from some of the aspects that in the Batman world that we know is such a big part of it. And it can probably delve into maybe some of those themes and issues that we're dealing with, maybe in a positive way. And sure. so uh, hopefully I think with the creative team involved, they'll recognize that and not do anything that would just kind of stir the pot even more. So yeah. <laughs> I think they'll be respectable for what everything that's going on as well. Yeah, sure. So hopefully this is sooner rather than later. And just, again, the growing of this universe that uh, the Batman is going to have. I know it's going to have it's going to be its own corner of the DC universe in the multiverse that they're planning with their films and TV show. But I just think it's cool that they're taking a little bit of the pages from the Marvel route where they're spinning off something from a movie into a TV show and it's still going to be connected. And even though Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of the further it got on, the less connected it got to the actual movie universe. But when it first started, it was still cool to have that connection. I think it'll be great to have that with a Batman film and with a Batman TV show. And just for the potential, it could lead to later 
further down the line, we're exploring other characters in the Batman mythos that maybe we won't get to see in the Matt Reeves movies, but could show up in the TV show. So all that is is very exciting to me, and I can't wait. Uh, and, Fish Mooney, the, the greatest name that's <laughs> ever been created in the DC universe. Uh, so that's the one great uh, legacy that Gotham has left for you in the Batman mythos, Dane, is the name Fish Mooney. <laughs> yeah, Fish Mooney. Uh, great name. But it's so good they shouldn't let it just be on that one character. It should be a name that continues on <laughs> beyond yeah. Gotham. Yeah, like Sid in Final Fantasy. Yeah, there you go. Just keep it going. <laughs> yeah, every Batman TV show has to have someone named Fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so... Even though that may be big, big news in the Batman world, I mean, nothing can be bigger than the news we got earlier in this week, too, where NECA Toys, known for their high-detail quality figures, they've done some great movie replicas. They've done great Ninja Turtle replicas of the 90s movie. Even the video games like the arcade and Turtle in Time, just great figures. But now, Dane, the greatest of them all is coming. NECA is putting out... It's being listed as a Comic-Con exclusive... But the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shell tour <laughs> action figures. And boy, Finally, they look phenomenal. <laughs> they do. Um, I don't know if you saw like the pictures of the big box set that it comes with. You know, the t-shirt and the guitar picks and uh, <laughs> the stage. Yes. I, I want this so bad. Thing. You just have to have uh, it. It's the reason why I'm a uh, a Ninja Turtles fan. Uh, oddly <laughs> enough, I know a lot of people like, oh, I grew up with this. Oh, the 90s show. Oh, the movies. Oh, the new movies. For me, it's coming out of their shelves. I, <laughs> people might think I, we're joking. No, that's not the case. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, that can't be true, uh, it is true. It's, um, I want this so bad. Um, I know it's $150. Um, but I feel like I have to buy this. Um, it's it's something that I... And, and you know me, Tim. I, I don't like the toys. I don't really like the posters or the t-shirts or whatever. I really want this, this set. <laughs> um, just to have it as a... a as a piece of nostalgia, I guess you could say a two-year-old nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I, guess, uh, <laughs> yeah. I they they look awesome, and by awesome I mean they look terrible <laughs> because those <laughs> because those uh, coming out of the shelves uh, turtles don't look very good. Um, there's no like intonation with the mouth. It's just hey, like they got flat. the denim vest, though. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't make these figures without the denim vest. And, and those eye pieces on the mask, yeah. With, uh, <laughs> Donnie and uh, I think Leo. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I want this. I, I I I've been looking for a VHS copy of coming out of their shelves. Still haven't found one. Um, really, not so, on eBay or anything like that. Yeah, I couldn't find one. Um, well, it's so great. No one wants to part with it. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've been looking for the soundtrack because it's not available on iTunes. So, um, <laughs> not surprised. I've I've been looking for. <laughs> I've been looking for the uh, soundtrack. 
I need something in my life where I can look at it or I can listen to it or I can watch it and I can be like, yep, that's why I'm a Ninja Turtles fan. I feel like this is finally it. And <laughs> as someone who actively looks for other shit, the, probably the only person that actively looks for uh, coming out of their shells, merchandise, VHS tapes, whatever. I feel like I'm obligated to buy this. <laughs> like like uh, NECA Toys and Nickelodeon and whoever else are like, no, you need to buy this. And I, I, I feel like I need to buy this. Thing. It's almost like they made it just for you, Dane. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I've been actively looking for VHS copies, the soundtrack on on cassette or I don't know if they even did this, but um, um, uh, CD. So like I'm, I'm I've been looking for for coming out of their shell stuff. Uh, I just can't. Nobody saved it <laughs> 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 for obvious reasons. Um, it, it I, it's it's not called out of their shell, right? It's it, it's called something something else right yeah the they branded it a little differently i think it's called let me see the turtles musical mutagen tour yeah the musical mutagen tour um yeah so i i i feel like i'm obligated to buy this i'm probably gonna buy this then i'm just letting you know Um, oh you gotta send me tons of pictures when you get it yeah i i you, you don't know how how much my love for coming out of their shells is. Yeah. <laughs> Something you know, I had a hard day at work. You know, I come home when I'm eating dinner, and I'll put it on just to <laughs> just to get you in a better mood, right? Just so I, you know, yeah, I can be in a better mood. That's how it makes me feel. <laughs> um, so yeah, I this is an easy buy for me. I feel like I have to buy this. Um, July 23rd is when the pre-orders go up. Uh, July 23rd is when I'll, I'll be at, uh, I'll, I'll do nothing the whole day besides trying to order this. Thing. Get several windows open just in case, you know, to make sure you're refresh and reload the page. So you're one of the first to get it and make sure you get your pre-order in. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because um, just going off of their website, it seems like they sell out really fast. Usually they do. These whenever these exclusives happen. Yeah. Do do they do the phased um, release where it's like we're only releasing five hundred and then we'll do fi- another five hundred later? I think it's probably something like that. I mean, I haven't really ordered anything through NECA, but yeah, I, I've heard people kind of say that that's kind of how it goes. Oh, okay. So they phase the releases, kind of like kind of like concert tickets, where they they'll you know put up like a few hundred or whatever and then the next batch it grew up and the next I batch guess to see how the demand is yeah 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 um yeah this is i'm gonna buy it. i am gonna buy this thing i know it's 150 dollars but hey it'll be worth it the settlement the sentimental value in yeah. it alone i mean that's gonna be worth it this, this yeah, got you into yeah. turtles i mean that's important yeah I, I feel like i need this you know i i don't really I don't really buy into all of this, you know, Batman toys or Star Wars toys or Star Wars merchandise or Baby Yoda or 
what have you, right? This is my one thing. This <laughs> the thing. exception, yes. <laughs> Pun here, Tim. Shell out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I can't wait for this thing. I, I will buy it. I will let you. I will send you pictures of this. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> Uh, just like so like I said, big news <laughs> that happened. I don't think we weren't expecting the Gotham TV show, but I think I was exp- or the Gotham City Police Department TV show set in the world of the Batman. But I think NECA doing these high detailed line of action figures based on out of the shell a content tour is even less unlikely or was unexpected. So, <laughs> right. Right. I mean, if if beforehand, like a couple weeks ago, I said Tim. What do you think would happen? Do you think they're going to make a GCPD TV series, or are they going to, or, or is NECA Toys going to put out coming out of their shells action figures? Which one are you going to say is more likely? <laughs> I, I would have picked the GCPD show <laughs> without question. So yeah, I I, I am going to buy this. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with those two gigantic news stories done, <laughs> we can get into some of our comic reviews. And we're going to be sticking with the Batman and Ninja Turtle themes. Uh, we'll be reviewing the latest issue of Batman The Adventures Continue, issue number seven. And Dane, as you mentioned, you are officially fully caught up on the main line of the IDW TMT comics. And I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on those latest few issues. So um, yeah. before we get into those, uh, we got to throw out the spoiler warning. Um, so if you haven't read the latest issue of Batman The Adventures Continue or caught up on the latest TMNT issues, we are going to be going into some of the big spoilery details on them. And as always, we got to have a rating scale. And I think it's got to be something that celebrates the release of the NECA Out of Their Shells concert toys. Something has to be in that vein. How about mm-hmm. reasons that Dane loves the TMNT Out of the Shells concert tour? Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, that is a very good one. Um, because there are multiple yeah. reasons why you love it, Dane. <laughs> There's no getting around that. There are. Um, it's bizarre. Um, the music is questionable. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> um, the, the, how, how did this happen? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 the biggest reason, right? <laughs> I. I sent you the uh, that article, and we kind of don't know. We kind of know why now, but um, yeah. Before that, how did this happen? Was this was this just like a Pizza Hut promotion tour? A uh, bunch of stuff, yeah. So um, yeah, that that'll be our rating scale. All right, so I'll go ahead and kick it off with. Um... Batman the Avengers continue number seven and we're starting a new arc here that has to deal with a new character or new character to the animated universe but one who is steeped in Batman lore and that is going to be Azrael as the series is called The Darker Knight and I really love this issue probably my favorite of these classic Batman characters showing up so far I mean seeing Deathstroke was cool but the groundwork delaying here and some of the cool little Easter eggs and uh, stuff they're giving to the fans. It was really cool to see in this issue, and I dug it. So, and this one starts off with Batman chasing Catwoman on the rooftops like they normally do. 
But um, before Batman's able to capture her, um, she gets tied up and taken away by Azrael. And his costume looks great in the animated series art sale. Again, I'm saying that a lot <laughs> for these new characters that are showing up. But Azrael's looks really cool. And I'll be saying that again a little later <laughs> in this review. So he has a Catwoman captured. He has her tied up. Um, and he's looking for this uh, piece of cloth that Catwoman stole from the Order of St. Dumas. And he wants it back. It's something that has some healing properties. Um, but before he's able to threaten Catwoman too much, Batman's able to throw away or flip a battering and knock away his flame sword. And they have a little scuffle. But it turns out that Batman and Azrael recognize each other just based on their fighting style. And in the monologue, we see Batman saying there's like something familiar about him. And even his costume kind of reminds me of something that uh, make him look like someone who would be in Gotham or has some history uh, together with the two. So um, as they're fighting, Jason Todd is actually looking on in the distance as he has been throughout this whole series. So uh, Batman is able to not defeat Azrael, but distract him long enough by using a smoke gas and knock away his sword that he has to retreat. And even Azrael comments that you always were the trickster. So we'll have to wait and finish this next time. So Batman starts explaining to Catwoman that she needs to tell him everything. Tells him about how serious it is to take something from the Order of St. Dumas. And to let her know uh, where that item is. She tells him it was just a job that she was paid to do. So Batman needs her to tell him who hired her. Um, which she does. And then she's taken to police custody. But we don't find out who until later. The Batman gets a call from Alfred. And we, Alfred just calmly tells him, uh, you have a visitor, sir. It's best if you come home. And we see that Azrael has this flame sword up into Alfred's neck, uh, threatening him to get Bruce to come back. And so Bruce returns, and we hit, see him talking to Azrael in the Batcave, and he takes off his mask, and it is Jean-Paul Valley. And one of the cool things that I like that it's adding into this Azrael in the animated series universe is that him and Bruce actually train together uh, in the Order of St. Dumas. Bruce didn't just stay long enough. And... Uh, he comments, or John Paul comments that, um, you know, you didn't stay long enough, Bruce. Uh, you was always, I knew you were always just there for to enhance your skills and to take what the order knew and to use it for your benefit, not really fully investing in the cause and the order of, or, of St. Dumas. So I like that aspect that they knew each other. They were friends who trained there previously, you know, just all a part of Bruce's training to become Batman. So I thought that was a nice little wrinkle that they threw into the animated series universe here. So Bruce uh, tells Jean-Paul Valley that he knows who has the cloth that they're looking for and doesn't need to deal with Catwoman. And so um, they, before they go, Bruce tells, tells them, though, that uh, maybe we could do something with your armor to not make it so threatening, but more like you're an ally to Batman than an enemy. Because which is at this point, they are allies. We'll see if that lasts throughout the story. So. Uh, right away, once Bruce said that about adjusting the costume and giving him a new one, I thought, oh boy, are they doing it? Are they really going to give him the suit right away? So as we get to the final panels of this issue, we see them make their way to the Iceberg Lounge and that it was Penguin who hired Catwoman. And as we see in the shadows, two capes and two cows of a bat in the shadows. And as one, both of them come into light, we see uh, John Paul Valley in the Asbat suit straight out of Nightfall in the animated series to style and i geeked out when i saw that it was just really cool uh, that they're adding this element to it already because i never expected them to do nightfall fully in the story of the animated series with bane and everything maybe they'll take certain elements of it and put it in the story arc maybe bane will play a role in the story arc eventually which would be kind of a, have a cool little nod to nightfall 
But the fact that we're getting the Asbat suits already is really cool. And I loved how it looked in that animated series style. So right now, him and uh, Batman are working together. But I have a feeling by the time the story is over, they'll be probably coming to blows again. So if we see Batman fighting Jean-Paul Valley in the Asbat suit um, in the animated series style, it's going to be awesome. So I'm just really excited about the potential of where the story can go. So it ends with the Penguin unleashing this big uh, bird creature who attacks uh, Batman and Jean-Paul Valley, and that's the cliffhanger ending. But that really wasn't the thing I was thinking about. It was just seeing that Asbat suit with Batman working together. It was just a cool visual to see. So I really dug this issue. It was a lot of fun, a lot of stuff to geek out over. So I'm going to go ahead and give it four out of five things that Dane just loves about TMNT coming out of the shelves, the concert tour. Wow. That's a lot of things I like about yeah. it. <laughs> Pretty much what you listed <laughs> when you came up with this radio scale. <laughs> All right. So now it's time to talk to some more TMNT with the comics. And Dane, I'm dying to find out, uh, now that you're fully caught up, what you thought of these final issues, issue 100, and some of the big things that happen and where the story is at. So lay it on me. <laughs> yeah. Well, first thing I'll say is uh, you should be very, very wary I guess you could say, or you should keep your eyes out because the last time that you introduced me to something, right, and I got mm-hmm. caught up on it, uh-huh. uh, was the the Clone Wars, uh-huh. and so I finally got ca- caught up on it, and the the next episode that was gonna come out, do you remember what it was, Tim? <laughs> was it the final Ahsoka arc? For season yeah. five, when she leaves the Jedi Order, which technically was the last episode of the series yeah, for a little bit. Last... <laughs> so, so hopefully the, the, the Ninja Turtles comics don't get canceled. Boy, um, if it does or something happens, Dane, I'm not going to recommend anything to you that I like ever yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. These comics, man, Oh my God, <laughs> are are so well put together, are so well done, and so fresh. I guess you could say. Maybe um, it's is not the Batman thing where it's like, oh, is Batman going to get married, and you know, we're going to have this year long, two year thing where it's like. Is he going to get married and then to, to Catwoman? And then it's the big day, and then nothing happens. And <laughs> it was just a bane plot. And we're going to do this thing, and then this thing happens. And then Batman saves the entire universe again by himself. The Ninja Turtles comics are not that. Um, one of the best things about it is that it focuses so well on its characters. Of course, the poor turtles, but what I like about it is these other characters. Um, Jenica, Jenny, mm-hmm. um, Alapex, what's going on with Casey Jones? And by the way, Tim, from now on, Casey Jones is Casey Jones. It's not Casey. Um, Casey Jones from now on. <laughs> just all the time. You got to say his full name. Yeah. Just like Spencer did. Yeah. Rest <laughs> in peace. Um, it's about April. 
you know. So all these different characters, even the meat animals, um, mm. Sally, and my favorite character, Tim, <laughs> my favorite of all of these characters, Pigeon Pete. Yes. What's going on with Pigeon Pete? <laughs> What's going on with him? Uh, one character that I wish we would see more of is Woody. Let's have a let's have a micro series about Woody, um, the pizza delivery guy. Mm. I know, especially with Seriously, how things left with him and Mikey. I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's mostly about characters. That's what I really, really love about it. It focuses it focuses on its characters, and that's its true strength. And I can't say this enough, Tim. I cannot say this enough. They they don't sacrifice character for a big story arc for. Um, Shredder coming back for Shredder being you know the big baddie uh, going to um, I keep on forgetting the name not Utron Crank uh, no uh, the, the place with the elves oh uh, Neutrino Neutrino okay. right it's 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 they, they don't sacrifice character for big story arcs like that even though because that would be the easy way to go you know let's have the turtles be the heroes of the day let's have the turtles be you know the 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 main part of the story um and they are but just in a different way Mm -hmm. you know it they, they are the heroes of the story they are the main focus of the story but there's another story going on, which is the main plot of the story, that almost has nothing to do with them. Like you look at City at War, it's not really about them. It's it's about Agent Bishop, it's about Splinter, it's about Titsune, yeah. it's about Karai, it's about all these different other people doing what they're doing and bringing the city to war. Or at least warring with each other, or at least trying to, you know, get their way. Um, mm. And the turtles are these side characters that kind of don't really have anything to do with the story. You know, they have their own problems. Yeah, it's like caught in the they, middle of it while dealing with their problems, like you said. No. Yeah, right. They they have their own problems. Like City of War, it's um, the turtles trying to do their thing without Raph, without Raph, right? Because Raph goes off and he's all angry that they they didn't save Splinter after Cry. You know, uh, took over the foot clap. That is what I truly, truly appreciate about um, this IDW comic, and it's it's something that I feel like with comic book movies, with comic books being the biggest thing in the world right now, um, I feel like you know the big companies, you know Marvel and DC and all these other companies. This is what they can learn. Uh, they, they can learn that they can have this big story, but their character doesn't have to be the main part of it. They can do something completely different while the main story is going on. The you know the the, the big story, and I know it's hard, but it's it's the not lazy way to do a story. That's what I truly appreciate about about uh, the IDW comics. Um, there's 
even stories where the turtles are literally doing nothing. They're just sitting around moping. Um, and it, it, there's no greater example than this current story that we're going through. Uh, Sophie Campbell's first story where the turtles are in Northampton. Yeah. Um, they don't even say that much <laughs> in, in that storyline. Leo's gardening. You know, um, Mikey is... He's just sitting with his cat. Sad. Yeah. He's yeah. sitting with his cat. Um, Donnie is writing the, the, the next great sci-fi novel, too. <laughs> Which I would love to read. Me too. It's like uh, it's great. Like there's no dialogue, like you said, but yet no words say more than what if there was dialogue. Sure. Yeah, and that is what I truly appreciate about what Sophie Campbell um, did with it w- with that story, and I, 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 I just love so much about this about this comic. Um, I, I, I feel like this is exactly what I was looking for. This is, I mean, especially after, you know, and I know a lot of people like it and I know a lot of people appreciate it and I know, um, it's what people wanted, but, um, I, I so appreciate, I was so appreciative of the um of this comic especially after the doldrums i guess you could say of that batman storyline where he's getting married it's i i I just i just can't appreciate enough appreciate it enough yeah i mean (laughs) i could definitely understand that like i said it's a lot of us feel about that comic that whole series is turtle fans we've been enjoying it for years and i'm just so glad that you're fully into it now and invested in it and loved it as much as I did. But I want to ask you specifically about some of the big things that happened in that city. Sure. Of where are. Yeah, sure. The biggest thing being Jenica becoming a Ninja Turtle and being mutated. Did you know about that going on, going into it? Because I know it was a lot of discussion when that news first came out of that happening. Were you able to stay spoiler free? And if you were, what was your reaction when it happened? Yeah, I did not expect that at all. I did not see any of that spoilery stuff when cool. the story was going on. Um, had no idea. And I love it. I really like it. She fits right in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I particularly like what they did. I, I don't know if you've read it. I, I just finished reading it this morning, actually. Um, the, the Jenica arc. I mean, the Jenica... Um, Miniseries? Miniseries, right. I haven't yet. I want to get into that pretty soon. Okay. Um, sort of a smaller story. It's not, you know, this big arc, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be the theme of uh, the the micro-series. I, 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 I'm kind of... Uh, I, I, I sort of started it this morning, too. Um, but it's... It seems to be the same theme where it's the small contained story. Yeah. Where she, um, you know, she just turned into a Ninja Turtle, right? Um, uh, it takes place after Splinter dies and um, she's sort of co- sort of coming to grips that um, she is a turtle. She's a mutant now. And it goes, it, it, 
without spoiling anything for you, it, 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 it kind of goes in. That's weird. I'm spoiling stuff for you. I have to watch out for you now, Tim. I know. That's the first thing. Right? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it, it kind of goes into where she was before she joined the Foot Clan and what happened to her. Um, so, yeah, um, with that, and I, I, I really like how they, they're doing the whole Jenica Casey thing where they, they were sort of starting to, you know, get interested in each other, you know, romantically. And then now that she's a turtle, that it, things are awkward. Right, mm. I think that's safe to say, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, th- things are awkward, and um, I I just really like that aspect and how she feels. Uh, kind of a spoiler, a little bit, but not really because you can imagine it. Um, how alone she feels and how isolated sure. she feels yeah. now that she doesn't have QC. Um, but yeah, uh, I did not expect it. I. I'm not sure what the consensus is. Um, For the most part, I think it's been well-received and generally positive amongst oh, TVK okay. fans because it's just how well-earned it was. She was a character who didn't feel shoehorned into that or anything. Just great sure. character development. And it would make sense that it would be her to become the next turtle because we've seen bad examples of that happening before with the TMNT, um, the next mutation live-action show with yeah. Venus de Milo, the fifth <laughs> turtle, which, like I said, the, the Pick the epitome of being a shoehorned in just for the sake of getting another turtle in there, but no, yeah, this was done so much better. And to kind of get that, and it's cool for the family just to grill. That's what I just love about this issue or this whole series. Yeah, they have you have the four turtles, you have their extended family, but now it's going to seem like with Jenica being a turtle, it is going to be like their sister now, and she is the fifth turtle, or it's not part of the extended family but hopefully becomes where she is just part of the ninja turtles group and even a little bit with alapex there was this great panel in the very last issue that came out where they're training in their new uh, dojo they're training their students and they give alapex a green bandana to kind of signify that she is one of the turtles now even though she's not technically a turtle she's still part of that immediate family and i just love that she had a green colored one too because Obviously, the turtles can't have green because of clash with their green skin, but <laughs> they get a green color bandana for her. Jenica has uh, yellow. I think it's just great that that immediate turtles family is just growing and it just all feels so well earned. That's what, to echo your points, where all these characters are just so great that the focus is on these characters where you just really get involved with, with their story and just love them. And once they get to these big pivotal moments here, it's just very satisfactory very satisfaction or i should say it's very satisfactory to read it as a fan of these characters and of these comics for so long when it gets to this point it's just really satisfying to read yeah and it's um going off of the character thing i i really like the fact that um at least at least for the turtles um they are flawed yeah Uh, they they don't make the right decision a lot of the time, um, Leo, and, and I truly appreciate this, even though it sounds like a negative, um, Leo isn't really a good leader. Um, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean, that is a good thing. Um, he tries his best, but like we've seen with the City, city at War storyline, he can't keep the turtles together. Yeah. Um, Maybe that was the wrong decision to hold Raph back. 
um, you know, from attacking uh, Karai, you know, and or maybe getting himself injured or killed. Maybe that was the wrong decision because, you know, Wrath left after that. He goes with the meat animals. Um, and I, I so love that they have these subtle nuances, like making mistakes, like Alapex being confused or Jenica having a hard time becoming a turtle or her new reality of being a mutant. Um, I don't know. I just, I just love these sort of subtle little things that um, that they put into this comic. I just, I just can't appreciate it enough. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Couldn't agree more. And just the one you think. Oh, what can it, they move it, on? It, sorry, excuse oh, me. I just got one more thing. Sorry. Oh sure. <laughs> I keep on interrupting you, but uh, Splinter. Splinter yeah. is the the most flawed character in yeah. this entire comic. He makes the wrong decision by taking over the Foot Clan. I, I'm confident in, in saying that now that I am caught up. He, you know, he made the wrong decision and letting his family, his kids go, and and be Clan Hamato. You know, um, he does make the wrong decision. He does kill people. He does make these, quite frankly, stupid decisions. Um, and. I appreciate the comic more that he does do that, that he's not like, oh, this wizened old wizard, you know, sort of thing. You know, he does make the wrong decision. So uh, I, I, I just I just love that aspect. Um, and then how they sort of play off of that, you know. Um, like, you could take a character like Old Hob, right? He is complicated. It's it's a complicated situation. I know what he's fighting for, you know, and it's it's a great thing. He's fighting literal racists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he is just going through it. Through he's just fighting the fight in a wrong way, in the wrong way. I feel so like it's the wrong way, way but yeah. <laughs> in an extreme way, in, in a wrong way. And we see that with some of the commentary that's that that Sally has, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But again, I can see where he's coming from. He's fighting against people that would torture him, that would kill him, or people like him. Um, and he's trying to prevent that from ever happening again. Real quick, Dane, did, did you read his yeah. uh, micro series issue yet? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. um, that, I definitely make that one you want to read because it, it just okay. makes you understand the character more and actually feel for him more. Okay. Um, but yeah, I can. Even without reading the, that micro series, I, I, I know I, I agree w- with what he, what he believes in. I just don't believe in his methods, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it's it's complicated. You know, you wouldn't expect this from a Ninja Turtles comic in 2020 or 2019 or 21 whenever it came out, right? You know, you you, you wouldn't really expect this from. Uh, kids comic book right it's <laughs> it's a complicated character uh but i appreciate this comic more for it uh, sorry but i i interrupted you <laughs> no i was just gonna say kind of leading off with old hob just what you thought could be the next big story arc and could be bigger than you know splinter sacrificing himself and to bring back his 
enemy, but also one time brother, Shredder. I thought that was such a great payoff and end to Splinter's arc making that sacrifice and needed to bring Shredder back to defeat uh, the Dragon God and Kitsune. Yeah. But the way that it things can get bigger than that, but this new status quo that was left by Old Hub igniting that mutagen bomb and mutating a good portion of New York to where they have to have this their own like section where pretty much where they're quarantined off from the rest of New York. And it's just their own community now of mutants and humans trying to deal with their these their new lives now as mutants. And now it's just more so than just the turtles and a handful of other characters, but how it's just almost a citywide thing now. And just how everyone is dealing with that. It almost kind of feels a little bit like a no man's land thing where they have their territory. Hobbs trying to carve out his own territory and enforce his way of law. And you have the turtles conflicting with that. And as they wake their way back into the city. So this this great new status quo that I wasn't expecting for this series to go down to. And some that I don't think any turtles iteration have really dived into as far as what would happen if a wide population got mutated and how that would affect things is just so great. I think this is a perfect new arc to kick off right after all the stuff dealing with Splinter and Shredder that began since issue one up to issue 100. So I just think they really do a great job of continuing on what's been just nothing but consistency in the stories that they're creating. And I see no signs of that slowing down with Sophie Campbell, what she's done in her new arc um, that we've got after issue 100. I just continue to be blown away by it. Yeah, and it's, or at least what I found interesting about Old Hob and this, this mutant town is um, how, like I was saying with, with Old Hob, he is, I understand what he's trying to do. You know, he he's trying to get the food for the people, right? But then he's doing it in a way where he's creating mutants for the foot clan and trading them yeah. for food um food and supplies and weapons and stuff like that i mean but it's pretty much food, human trafficking <laughs> what he's doing sure. like they're, they're mutants but the sure. same principle I mean, applies we should call it what it is human trafficking uh, but you have this other story with alpex and her um i don't know what you call it shelter but that, that food isn't mm-hmm. getting to the people. You know, where's the food going? He's hoarding the food. And it's it's people like Mona Lisa who are sneaking into wherever Hob keeps the food and giving it to Alifax, you know? So it's 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 just weird. It's it's like it's like a political story almost. Um yeah. and it's, <laughs> it's it it's really weird but it's it's really works at the same time um but what i really want to talk about is city at war and splinter i could see that coming from a mile away (laughs) i i saw it coming when um he gets uh put into that dungeon or whatever that's called Uh like splinter's gonna make the ultimate sacrifice I, i can see where this story is coming from i just didn't know how or or what was going to happen right yeah i mean at the same time it doesn't take away from it i think the impact it has either sure and like i i don't know if you read the the turtle notes at the end of each oh yeah Mm -hmm. uh but people were saying like oh like uh saying what what i was saying like oh i could see that a mile away 
I you know, I I knew that Splinter was going to die. Um, but it again, it was how it happened. It wasn't a big twist. You know, it wasn't yeah. like um, because you know, for the most part, they already had that with um, I I forget the name of the story. Was it is it City War, uh, the fifteenth issue issue? Um, did that happen? Because that's not City Fall. City Fall became before that. Now, I don't thought that arc had a particular name, at least not one that I remember. Okay. But, but yeah, I remember where he kills Shredder. Yeah, yeah, the fiftieth issue. I I did not see that coming. Um, I I thought Splinter was gonna, I don't know, lock him up for the rest of his life, or I don't know, do something with Kitsune or the the old gods or something. To contain him, uh, but then he ends up killing him uh, in front of everybody, <laughs> yeah. and taking over the Foot Clan. And we had that twist, right? Uh, we 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 already had. We, we also had the twist of Crane dying, um, getting killed by or getting eaten literally by Leatherhead. But then um, the cliffhanger at, at end of issue one hundred. <laughs> oh yeah, is that it's a it's parasitic, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the krang are parasitic. The utrons are a uh, parasitic life form, um, and uh, I I I guess Leatherhead is the new krang. <laughs> oh, the new krang body, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, the new krang body. Um, but we already had these lists, and. It, I I feel like it kind of would have diminished um, what happened in issue 100 if it if it was a twist like that. If you didn't see it coming, I, I, I feel like it would have diminished it in some way. Mm. You could tell that Spencer was going to die. Um, especially when he's talking to Casey's, I mean, not Casey, uh, April's parents. You know, he's like, oh, I don't know if I want to make it through this, but, you know, I, I, I thank you for your help. And and stuff like that and then he he dies um, he sacrifices his life he, he meditates and he speaks with um, who was it was it the old gods um, oh no he, he, was, he uh, with, Tang Shen, uh, was it yeah, yeah Tang Shen yeah he, he's he's talking with her like you know he, you have to or like the the whole thing is about love, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there needs to be balance, and the whole reason why Kitsune is doing this is because she she's in love with Shredder. She's she she's in love with uh, Rokusaki, and there needs to be balance, and needs to be sort of reset. Um, and so Spencer sacrifices himself so that Shredder can live. That's the big quote unquote twist, and that's um, something that I didn't see coming. I, I, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, that he sacrificed himself for Shredder so that Shredder and Kitsune, um, who was the big villain, the, the overarching big villain of this story, or at least the first hundred issues, she was the big villain. She turns out to be the big villain, and I would have never ex- expected that. Um, it's definitely a journey 
uh, it's it's about the journey, not the ending, right? Sort of thing. Mm. And you know, I kind of want to ask you, Tim, like, how was the sort of how did the fans take it? I think I haven't really heard too much negative reaction for it. Really, I think most of it's been very satisfying, and uh, at least for the small circles I follow, I'm not didn't get too many as far as different circles of the team and team fandom and all their reactions, but at least the ones I follow anyway, just seems to be in agreement <laughs> with kind of what we've been saying about just how satisfying and earned these, this ending was and just how it yeah. felt right for the characters. And sure. even though, like you said, could have saw Thunder dying from a mile away, it didn't lose the impact and what the story needed for that to happen in order for it to make it a satisfying ending and to conclude his arc in the way it did, even though you knew it was coming um, but there even was still a little surprise in there with his sacrifice bring, to bring back Shredder. No way we would have thought that after what happened in issue 50. So, uh, yeah, I just think all around, just the consensus mostly for this for this whole comic series has just been positive. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, um, like you said, it was totally deserved and um, sort of a beautiful ending for Spencer. If you really think about yeah. it, you know, he finally gets the love of his life back. And like they uh, said, he, he did fulfill his promise to her, protecting their children at all costs. Which sure. He did. Yeah, sure. He completed his promise. He's in that sort of, I, I can't remember what they call it specifically, but uh, uh, he's in that sort like of that dream realm. Yeah. <laughs> that dream world with uh, Tank Shen. Um, he doesn't have his kids anymore, but you know, he it's it's a happy, beautiful ending for him. And yeah, I I just sort I I, I just love how they how they sort of ended his his storyline. Um, and even kind of coming to forgiveness and reconciliation with Shredder, also kind of yeah, not be, being enemies anymore, but brothers like they used to be, which was nice to, for them to have that moment as well yeah and i i'm kind of glad it ended because if you think about it the first hundred issues were the splinter story right over mm-hmm. o- overall it was the splinter story it wasn't so much about the eternals and now with this new run uh, it it's it's way more focused on the turtles right and he, he, like i said this this new story arc by uh, Sophie Campbell is like turtles aren't really doing much much in um, the, the farmhouse. You know, Leo's gardening, Raph is in the Newton town. He's the only one that's doing anything. But then again, he's he's empty inside. You know, in a sense, um, Mikey is pretty much just playing with his cat the whole time. Um, Donnie is writing his novel, writing, you know, letters and I, I, I hope it's, I hope it's about the turtles, you know, like I hope, I hope they focus more on the turtles and they don't have this sort of thing hanging over their head about, about Splinter, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't have that anymore. And I, I, I hope that. It focuses on uh, the turtles, you know, 
Yeah, and it's for them to carve their own path finally. They're free to do sure. whatever they want. And that's kind of what they're starting off already with them building that dojo and yeah. training anyone who wants to, which is, I think, a natural progression for them to be at this point in time with dealing with everything. And um, the the new Slash. Is there going to be a new Slash, Tim? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so if the wasn't the one hasn't showed up the one who killed or smashed bishop at the end yeah and leo kind of sent like slash is still in there maybe every issue after 100 he hasn't shown up yet i don't think unless i'm not remembering right yeah he he hasn't showed up yet but i hope there's going to be a new slash because slash was one of my favorite characters yeah the uh, sad ending he had too but yet another satisfying yeah. one was for him to make that ultimate sacrifice and get that control over himself again was great but still sad <laughs> he did go out eating candy though <laughs> so, i forgot about that aspect of it actually but you're right <laughs> yeah he had that candy bar so um yeah i just love this series um everything they've done they've done well um there, there hasn't really been a misstep um, nope. <laughs> at least none that i can really think about uh, exactly bit, how i felt yeah a little bit on the uh, Triceratons thing, but um, yeah. Uh, That's really because everything like, else, the bar is so high that not everything can be at that level. So something has to yeah. be <laughs> like a little below that. And that's not the case with some of those stories. Yeah. The City of War totally. Uh, at first, I was kind of because I'm not sure how you read it, Tim, because. You see, w- w- with the graphic, I mean, with the with the trade paperback, it they included a lot of a lot of stories that sort of had nothing to do with City at War. I mean, they kind of did, but um, kind of had nothing to do with it. It, it, it was the build up to it, and that's what made me think. Because I asked you, like, how long did this go on for? Because mm-hmm. it felt like this was like a year and a half worth of stories. Um, or at least it, it took a year and a half to complete. But you told me it was only six issues. Yeah. Or five issues in six months, I think, is what it was. But maybe the trades yeah. included some, maybe some of the tie-in issues that weren't part of the main No, because it didn't. Okay. It, 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 yeah, because the, those are separate books. Uh, or separate trade paperbacks. And like, like it goes into... Um, uh, cry, trying, uh, cry with the mob with the mafia sort of stand or you know killing those those mafia guys that weren't behind her or uh-huh. something or they, they were trying to break free since splinter isn't the uh, um, leader of the foot clan anymore um uh there's a lot of uh jenica and casey stuff so yeah that's why i'm wondering like like where do you consider city at war where do you consider the start of that story? Well, looking at the issues, technically, it started with. Oh, I'm going to look at it real quick because there are. It could be where there's issues that were leading up to City of War and dealing with some of the elements, but technically, City of War didn't officially begin with until issue 93. Up, okay. in, up until and, issue 100. Okay, and what happened in uh, issue 93? Uh, I'd have to kind of skim through. Oh, it, oh okay, never mind. <laughs> I don't have it. <laughs> um, yeah, downloaded. Yeah, it. I, was, 
Uh, yeah, because I was just wondering, like, because for for a while, uh, the 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 beginning of the story, it was like, where are they going with the story? Because, um, I I it's it's city uh, it's it's actually two trades. It's city at war part one and city at war part two, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And city at war part one is like the cry stuff, her coming back to New York. And taking over the um, the Foot Clan, and then um, uh, Agent Bishop attacking the Turtles, and then uh, Jenica becoming a Turtle. Um, so, so yeah, I was I was wondering, like, I I, I was kind of wondering where the story was going, and like, you told me it was only five issues in six months, and I was like, like, what? Like, how, how did all of this happen in five issues, you know? Uh, but anyway, yeah, I I love City of War, Tim. It, it was well, the I, perfect cap to this. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it is more than five issues. I think I might have looked at it wrong when I was texting you earlier. But it is actually, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight issues. Of what okay, it actually, eight issues. Yeah. Okay, so that makes a little more sense. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, City of War was the perfect cap to, or perfect ending for the for Splinter, uh, for that whole first storyline. I guess he can lump it all into one. Twenty three trades, he can lump into one, um, and I just can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, Jenica, I love Jenica. I love her story arc. You you, you have to read the the. The Jenica um, miniseries, Tim. Okay, I'll put that. It's, uh, it's really well done. Three. Yeah. Um, oh, well, it's the perfect ending for uh, that storyline and to kick off the new storyline. And who is this turtle at the end of the fifth issue? Yeah, I don't know if it's a turtle. It's Well, from what I get, it's that little uh, creature. I think it's a turtle, the little girl that... Uh, they were she was talking to at the very end telling her oh. you know to like you could be great maybe not right now but just give it time and then yeah he's like saying something like who knows what the future holds but then we see that's her grown up from the future is what I, how i took it so there's gonna be yeah, just like some time um, traveling elements coming through in the next issue yeah because i'm wondering what what happens because did you read and it's understandable if you do but uh the christmas issue yeah, mm-hmm. it was part of the main Splinter. line one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, you know, it's 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 like a, a the the your past, your present, and then your future. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like the Christmas Carol, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like a Christmas Carol. Um, uh, in the future, like if Spencer had kept on his path. He would have been killed by the turtles, right? Or he would have killed the turtles, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and they, they they all had that that same face paint as that turtle in issue mm-hmm. one hundred. So oh, that's a good callback. Okay, I have to go back and look at that now. <laughs> yeah, they all had they they didn't have the bandana. They had uh, face paint. So um, yeah, I was just wondering about that, but apparently you didn't catch that. <laughs> It's been a while since I read that yeah, <laughs> up until those last issues, so yeah, yeah. So don't blame me. 
Um, but yeah, I just can't wait to see this where this uh, story goes. And um, definitely listen to that interview with Sophie Campbell because she, if if um, she is a Ninja Turtles fan. Yeah, um, you, you get that right? not just from reading her issues, but then see, like reading her tweets and all that. You know, she's a big fan of it. Yeah, uh, so she uh, she is a Ninja Turtles fan. She gets it, and and her art is really well done. She she yeah, my favorite, yeah. my favorite, yeah, my favorite artist. And just judging from the storyline, where pretty much the turtles do nothing except go to a concert. By the way, nice shout out, shout out to Out of Their Shells. Yeah. <laughs> it all uh, goes back to Out of Their Shells. <laughs> yeah, it all comes back to it, Tim. That's the origin story of the Ninja Turtles is Out of Their Shells. Um, yeah, nice shout out to Out of Their Shells. But if um, if this is an indication, this first storyline, it's a really good indication of where we are going to go. It's, it's a really good omen, I'd say. Agreed. And the best part is now we could read them together at the same time and start talking about yeah. it together where it's not, we're experiencing all the new, hopefully great stuff that happens in those issues. So it's going to be fun to kind of review the, each issue now on their own and talk about it together. Yeah, I think the new issue comes out next week, I think, or the week after. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> June, July, July 17th or 18th. Uh, but yeah, I... I can't wait for it, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> my, my love for comics is back. I can't yes. believe it. I can't believe it. It's glad to have you back. And I, I would say I'm not surprised that it is the Turtles comics that did it because it was, I knew how amazing they were. And I'm just so glad that you took to it like like I did. And now you're fully on board with how amazing they are. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sad that um, Tom Waltz, and Kevin Eastman are kind of taking a back seat now, but I'm it's in great hands. <laughs> These first five issues I'm afterwards is any indication. <laughs> I am more than happy that Sylvie Campbell is taking over. Yep. And now you can go back and read those micro series issues, I think are some of their best. So you still got that to look forward to. Yep, I am. I'm going to read the micro series, I'm going to read the villain micro series. Uh, hold on. I, I I bought a few more too. Let's see. And then you got to get on the Batman Team and T crossover, both the first comic arc and the movie. <laughs> That's what you got to be uh, pretty next on pretty soon on your list of things to watch and read with the turtles. Oh yeah, the the the, the second volume of the micro micro series. It looks like it's Casey, uh, Splinter, April, and uh, Fugitoid. Is it Fugitoid or Fugitoid? Fugitoid. Fugitoid. Yes. Okay. And I have to remember Jenica. It's Jenica, not Yenica. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, when she was first introduced, uh, I was calling her Yenica for like the longest <laughs> time. But probably um, until she started to be called Jenny by other people. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it was actually you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You said Jenica, I think. And I was like, are, are they calling her Yenny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, um, totally fine with Jenica. Um, and it, it's, 
it, it just goes to show how great uh, this comic is. They're they're pretty much taking a I hate to say it, but kind of a background character and making her an integral part of the franchise. Really. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I love Jenica. Um, just another feather in the series' cap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, City at War, totally loved it. Uh, Alapex, one of my favorite characters. Seriously, one of my favorite characters. Same. Man. I really want to. I really want to breed her. Villain micro series. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. So, Dane, good to have you caught up on the TMNT, and like I said, looking forward to talking future episodes or future issues on future episodes at the same time with it should be but that's what i was waiting for and <laughs> couldn't wait for you to get caught up so we got that to look forward to but yeah. with that i guess well, that's I gonna mean, do it uh, oh i'm sorry if you... no no I was, uh, I was just gonna say my last thing was um the once once i got to a certain part of a uh, city of war I just could not stop reading it. Oh, he's got to plow through it. <laughs> yeah, I just had to get through it, like see where the story goes. But yeah, I love it. Um, also, want to read the original Mirage, <laughs> at least the first mm. graphic novel. I just want to see like where 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 all this came from. Yeah, it's got the I history it's of rough, it. But, yeah, I know it's rough, but uh, it is an indie comic at the end of the day, so. Yeah, it's still good. Happened. Not on the level of IDW, but like I said, it's still yeah. a good read and just to know where all this started from. It's just fascinating to read it when you look at it that way. Oh, and also, I want to read, I mean, I want to play the uh, tabletop game. <laughs> the Palladium Books one. Yeah, I've heard about it, but tabletop games is yeah. something I never really got into, so I never played the Turtles one, but I've heard about it. Uh, uh, Sophie Campbell was a really big fan of that so i want to see what she's talking about <laughs> <laughs> hey just experience as much team and as you can right <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and i'm so glad that i i did what i did where i skipped all of the uh ancillary stuff okay um uh, the, the sort of uh, micro series and stuff like that mm -hmm. because now i have stuff to read while yeah. i wait <laughs> make the wait a little less for the new issues yeah but anyway yeah that, that's it cool well with that that's going to do it for this episode too ending it on a strong note with this game getting caught up on the tmnt comics he loved it and that makes me happy so <laughs> without further yeah. ado i'll throw it back to you dave for the outro all right just go over to batman universe.net facebook.com slash batman universe twitter handles at batman universe Show's Twitter handles at Batfans Podcast. Tim's Twitter handles at TimG311. I'll say it because I need to thank you for introducing me. <laughs> thank you. Uh, via out of their shells. Um, and my Twitter handles at DaneSlipDemand. Um, you can also find us at uh, Rain Reviews on iTunes. Um, and you can email the show at BatfansWithoutPants at gmail.com. So with that, like we say at the end of every single episode 10 we love each and every one of you with all of our mutated hearts that are caught up with the teenage mutant Ninja Turtle comics <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say genital hearts <laughs> <laughs> it's too simple I have to make it too yeah. wordy and complicated <laughs> see you guys next time see you next time everybody
Scarecrow's right.